Bring it in. Read Option Podcast back and better than ever. Full crowd. Right now we got Scotty, Vito, your boy. Everyone's all locked in, ready to go. Week 10 in the NFL season. And uh, before we get into anything else, I I feel like I have to issue a public apology. Because it affected enough people that I, I heard from enough people at this point about it. Um. I've been fucking up with the Zoom, right? Muting muting myself on the Zoom, being muted when I didn't think I was muted. In my defense, that's because the fall allergies have been killing me, so I'm trying not to sniffle on the podcast. Um, but I uh, I kind of fucked up as a producer. Now, it's it's not any, anything I did particularly, right? I did the same thing I always do. Um, and I've been in the production game long enough to know that sometimes technology shits the bed. And at least according to SiriusXM, that's your fault, whether you did anything wrong or not, uh, whether it's the technology that fucked up or not, it's still going to be held as your fault. So I'm used to this. Um, the technology failed us on Tuesday's pod. Uh, we posted the pod as normal, like we do every Tuesday, uh, like I do when I come home. I have my normal routine. I do check, checked all the boxes, make sure it was up and the podcast was messed up. You're the intro music. And as my as my one friend, uh, Ryan Kakaiko, one of our longtime OG listeners told me, uh, he, he said he sent me a gif of uh, of Biden looking very confused and said the line when you hear when you don't hear, bring it in as our opening line. Um, it messed up for whatever reason. We heard the music. All of the audio was not processed in time. I double checked the files like I always do. Everything looked normal. It didn't work. So uh, if, if you were not affected by it, thumbs up. Ignore everything I just said. Uh, if you were affected by it, my apologies. Um, I think in the 200, and this is episode 220 for us, I don't think we've ever had an issue like that happening. I've had a couple of issues with like getting it published, but never something that's been published that is bad. I definitely not as bad as this, especially myself doing this as my career. Like it's something I hold a lot of pride in. Um, so well, I am sorry. Well, that's too funny, Jeff. Give yourself a break. Also, hey, that's you a good fixed it within a couple hours. Like, I don't know how fast that was, but within an hour. Yeah. Within yeah. an hour, it was fixed. We're um, on, we got an on-call produce. This dude is busting his ass to fix it. So probably you, you, Jeff. I and props I appreciate I appreciate it. But look, you know, I'm I'm all about account uh, Jalen Hurts. Right. He's my quarterback. He's all about accountability. Right. That's how I am as, as the producer and host and creator, however you want to describe it, of this podcast, man. Like the buck stops with me on this on this joint. Right. So, like, ultimately, if something goes wrong, head coach, I got Andy Reid style. I got to do a better job. Hand up. Got to do a better job. So um, I am sorry. Genuinely, though, if anyone uh, listened to the pod if it was timed out, hey, I'm going on a long drive. I'm excited to listen to the podcast. Oh, wait, what the fuck? This asshole messed it up, and now I don't get to listen to my favorite three friends all talk about football for the next couple of hours. Uh, I am sorry. That was not what I was obviously hoping to do, but um, hopefully it was rectified in enough time that you guys were able to enjoy the last pod. Um, but what I thing, have, Jeff. Yeah, go ahead. If you don't mind. I was going to say, because you brought something up there 
the bring it in. Yeah. The line of bring it in has been our line forever. What I thought was forever. Cause we were talking about this really before and you're saying it's not forever. And no, said, we got to have this conversation. Cause I, this, I had no idea. I thought this has been your close, like your line the whole time. It has not been the line. I'd have to go back. I, I tested a bunch of different lines and kind of just jumped around, especially if you go back to like the first 50 that we did, mm-hmm. I, I did a bunch of different stuff. And then eventually I don't even honestly, I don't think bring it in became the like locked in intro to the pod until probably about 50 to 75 episodes in somewhere between there, I think is when it became like the, the mark. Like I'd be curious to go back and listen to like episode, you know, like 61 and see if it was there. Cause I don't think it was like, I think I, I tested a bunch of different stuff. And I think I kind of ended up stumbling onto like bring it in because I wanted something that was quick and easy that was also just kind of made sense, right? And and football-y. At some Monica. point, yeah. at some point, it clicked in my head thinking about like you're with your coaches, you're playing baseball, football, basketball, whatever, and your coach just looks at you all and does the two-finger pull in. You know, you know the move, yeah. the two-finger yeah, pull bring in. It in. I do the move. Um, bring it in. Yeah. Definitely is nothing sexual about making this move at all. Um, but you yeah, know that yeah, it's a know. couple other fingers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just the first two. You say, hey, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, right? Um, and that be- kind of became the moniker of the show. Um, and so yeah, my my buddy Ryan uh pointed that out, and I was like, Man, people it sticks with people, you know. It's it's cool to hear something that you come up with kind of stick and resonate with people. So um, yeah, so the bring it in was not there. What about we missed it, but it's fixed. What, what about um take it easy, everybody? Has that always been? Take there? it easy, everybody has always been at the end. I think, yeah. Okay, good. I love that the has good been bookends. The bookends mean something, right? There. The take it easy, everybody co- goes back to when I first started on ESPNU and I was doing radio shows and we always played bumper music going out. And so when we did the podcast that was not on Spotify, when we did the fantasy football podcast, that's that came from like I, at the time, because we weren't publishing it to like the public, I could get away with using non-licensed music. Right. So like I could get away with using, um, you know, take it easy by the Eagles as the outro music. We used to do a segment. That's right. We used to do a segment (laughs) called Vito's three way. um, That's right. On the podcast when we did. We should bring that back. We should. But, but, but again, the problem is, is that when we did that segment, I put Marvin Gaye's let's get it on underneath it. So I would introduce it as like Vito's three way, like do like my, you know, my Barry white voice. And then it would be like, that was your Barry. I can really try. I just had to do a deep voice or whatever. But Vito then would give his his three leg parlay, and it was Vito's three way. We made you know oh, we we did a Vito's whole. Vito's got three it. legs. Well, I don't. I, I don't. Know. I can. I can. Uh, I if you can confirm that, I can't personally. Um, but so that that Same. goes all the way back to like me doing every song or every time I produced a show on uh, ESPNU. I would the last song I would play as the outro music before we hit our heart out was Take It Easy by the, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Unless it was Tuesday. If I did a Tuesday show, then I would do Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner. Um, but every other you show I did, did, I always closed yeah. the pod with Take It Easy. So Should we close the pod with Rebecca Black Friday when we release this. 
I used to have to do, dude, we're going so inside baseball right now, but fuck it, which seat should I take? Um, <laughs> I used to, I used to like make opens every day. Right. So like when I would go into the studio for a morning show, I used to do yeah. a show for Greg McElroy and Danny Cannell, and it was McElroy and Taylor Zarzer for a long time who does play by play for the SEC network. Um, and I used to run the show for them. And every Friday we had two different opens. We had an, a Friday open and then a rest of the week open. And every Friday we would have to pull some clips and audio and stuff and drag it in and set up the open. So that way when we hit when we hit the open coming in 7 a.m., fire it, it would end with Friday with Rebecca Black. So every Friday we played <laughs> our open, but the music bed at the end that would trail off to when the host would come in was Friday by Rebecca Black. Um, so I've been all I've dude, I've done so much random audio editing shit. Um, I actually haven't thought about that in years because that was going back to like 2019, 2020 when, when uh, TZ was still there. But yeah, so inside baseball stuff, there's a bunch of editing. Long story short, bring it in. I, I'm going to find the first time so we can mark that because I am curious how many times I've done that. But take it easy is the staple. Um, and I'm glad that we started this way. Uh, boys, how are we doing now that we're into this mess? Uh, any updates, life updates before we get into football that we want to hit or do we jump into the games? I say we jump in. I'm good. I mean, life's good. Stoked. My apartment's coming together. We'll, we'll do a pod from there live when that whole thing is done in my condo, but yeah, I'm yeah, good. Let's, let's, let's say that now, by the way, we've been, but the last couple of weeks, yeah. we've been kind of throwing this idea around, um, whether it's playoffs, uh, or end of the regular season, Obviously, with the extra week and, you know, we kind of get that first week in February is considered. Uh, I will actually be up in Philly the weekend of January 6th through the 8th. Um, but we're we're doing something mm. for that. Um, Big so, day. Sixth, huh? Where were you? Uh, hey, hey. Don't ask, don't tell. Um, Sounds <laughs> But. Uh, yeah, I'll be up in Philly for that. Not sure if I'll we'll be able to make it work, but at some point, I'm, my hope would be to do it for the postseason. Um, because I think mm-hmm. we're at least we're going to have San Francisco and Philly. Maybe Denver makes a m- miraculous run. Probably not. Um, but we need to do another in-person podcast. So at some point, uh, we are going to do a live podcast. We're going to do it from Vito's place. We're going to do a weekend where Scotty and I go up, have a boys' weekend, watch maybe some bowl games on Saturday and then Sunday we'll do our, our watch the games. And then whatever the Sunday night game is, we'll record during do a live pod there. Um, but you guys deserve that. We have, we've only done the one pod all in the same room. And honestly, it was one of the funniest and most random podcasts we've ever done. Um, oh, 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 gee, listeners know that one. That goes back to like our first, our first football season together. So a uh, lot of fun stuff, but do want to let the people know we are going to do that. We're going to get a group together. Um, we're going to have a good time. So with all that, I can't believe we have to transition from that incredible talk to, uh, the Thursday night football game tonight. Um, this, this is bad. A combined three and 14 record. We have the Carolina Panthers going to the Chicago bears. Uh, Chicago is a three and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, I'll start by saying this. There are some fun games this week, but going from last <laughs> week where where we had this like great slate with like heavy hitters in each hour to this, 
where like the standalone games this week are just so, so bad. It happens, you know, that's kind of the nature of NFL scheduling, but um, we start off Thursday night with Panthers at Bears. And uh, I don't know, I feel like I it's not fun to bet the under, but there is money to be made. So, you know, however it means to you, having fun versus betting the under, that's up to you. Uh, I like the idea of betting the under in all these terrible games, to be honest. Like, I kind of want to do a read option special where we take all of the standalone games Thursday night, Sunday morning, Sunday, uh, the pro- I guess the one o'clock games you kind of have to hold aside, but then uh, Sunday night football and then Monday night, uh, just doing a collective let's bet the under for all of the standalone games. I think that'd be really, really fun. Odd luck. Yeah, well, we saw that one the first week. But Sunday night is uh, less than ideal, I'll say. Um, We'll start off with you, Vito. What are we feeling right now? Bears, Panthers, uh, Chicago, minus three and a half at home. Another Tyson Bajan start, his fourth consecutive start for the Chicago Bears. So here's the thing. Like, I, I it sucks that there's a three and a half point spread. I like the Bears here. I just don't know how close this game is going to be because I don't actually like them. I like them in this game. Right. Like that's the difference here. So for me, I'm leading towards taking the bears, but the three and a half points to cover is a lot. I want to believe that at some point the Panthers are going to put it together, but they're a really bad team. Um, And, and so you start looking at some of the matchups, right? Like we were talking about the Scotty before the pod, but like, like more is great. DJ Moore is been killing it. Uh, Foreman's been great at running back on the flip side. You know, the Bears defense has some actual studs getting out there. So the, it seems like they're the most talented team. Um, But three and a half is a lot. I, I really do think the Bears end up covering it. I wish this line was three. That would be a slam dunk or two and a half. I, I got to go with them because I just don't believe in this Panthers team. They've Now they've spent a lot of draft capital on defense. Hopefully they stay in it. But I, I have a feeling that the Bears – can make a few big plays, get in a field goal range, win the game. The under is probably going to hit. Um, there's some Un- crazy unders out there, by the way, this week. Unders um, are huge on Thursday night football, by the way. Are like, they? Yo, yeah. The stats are unreal. I got to look up the numbers, but I was I was listening to this on McAfee last week, and the, the numbers for unders on Thursday night football over the last two seasons are unbelievably High, it's 22 hit. and nine or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but I um, watch out. I think, by the way, we should call that the Thunder Thursday night under. This is a oh, thunder, thunder bet. You know, why the thunder play calling it a yeah. thunder sounds way cooler than Thundercat than saying I'm taking who's the that? Un- the under Who's that band that that sings uh, that song, Lightning Thunder. And the thunder. Yeah. Oh, well, that's um, Imagine Dragons. Imagine dragging these nuts. I thought you were talking the about the ACDC, the <laughs> thunder. Thunder. That's a great track. Yeah, that's ACDC. Yeah, that is like the, the thing, which is honestly, you feel about as good playing that game as you do betting the under in uh in Thursday night football. Because yeah. it's just those not are fun. accurate. It's not fun. It's not what you want. Yeah. Um where, where you go? So where in you case you, so in case you guys are wondering, right now, if you look at uh PFF. Tyson Bajan is ranked two spots ahead of Bryce Young 
in terms of overall passing grade. And mm-hmm. it's only two spots, right? Tyson Bajan's 43, Bryce Young's 45. Um, but Tyson Bajan's graded out as uh, 11 points higher than Bryce Young. Um, and that's not to say that Tyson Bajan is a better quarterback, because I really, I really don't think that. I really think Bryce Young can be a good quarterback in the NFL. I think the situation he's in, I think the head coach decision to hire Frank Reich has continued to set this team back. I think Iki Aquanu not being the top 10 tackle that we thought he was going to be coming out of NC State has hurt this team. I think he's surrounded by a, a cast where it's you have a terrible offensive line, arguably the worst offensive line in football. Say what you all about the Bears, but at least the Bears offensive line has had some level of investment into it. Um, the Panthers are kind of 0 for 5 on their offensive line right now, which is really hard for a rookie quarterback. And on top of that, too, he's got one option to throw the ball to, and that's Adam Thielen. And it's not even it's not prime Adam Thielen. We're talking about, you know, probably last stop, second to last stop of his career, Adam Thielen, where he's trying to cash in that last paycheck. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that just based off the rosters, right? Like if you just go off of talent alone, this is probably the only game this year where the Chicago Bears are the more talented team. Uh, I will say there are defensive pieces with the Panthers that you like. Jeremy Chin, Brian Burns, right? They're, they're, uh, J.C. Horn. Like There are some guys on that Panthers team that, that you like. I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, and I will say, too, like Tyson Bajan hitting the tight ends, Cole Komet. I think he scored four touchdowns in the last four games with Tyson or last three games with Tyson Bajan being the starting quarterback. Um, it's gross. It's gross. Everything about this game is gross. Bet the under. If I have to pick, part of me just wants to take the Panthers with the points because it's three and a half. You get the hook. Mm-hmm. I don't think Chicago top to bottom is that bad of a team. And we've seen Tyson Bajan move the ball against better defenses i'm gonna take chicago i don't like it whatsoever but i like the moxie that this kid has this has a little bit of that like Gardner Minshew sniff test to it where you're like you know maybe this maybe this kid's got a little something to him he's got a little moxie to him uh and i think honestly carolina is just an absolute dumpster fire their offense is so bad their defense is solid for a bad team, but it's not going to be enough to carry the day. So I'm going to take Chicago. I think Chicago finds a way to at least get two touchdowns on the board tonight. And if they can sprinkle in a field goal or here, you know, here or there, I think that's going to be enough to get them uh, across the, uh, across the finish line. So I'm going to take the Chicago bears minus three and a half. Uh, Scott, did you make your pick? There are a few teams, uh, probably 28 in the league that I would feel comfortable uh <clears throat> Or sorry, there are only four that I would feel comfortable laying the uh, the more than a field goal with, and the Bears are not one of those teams. Um, I, I just I, I don't see it. Um, it's it's illogical to take the Panthers at this point, just based on on how they've played throughout the season. Um, but the the and I'd probably take the three and a half, even if Justin Fields were starting. To be honest with you, the Panthers' defense is ranked third overall in pass defense. Uh, the the Bears are going to be forced to to pass the ball a lot with their their running game banged up. Um, it, it seems like an odd choice, uh, but I'm going to go with the better defense. Uh, 
at home. And the funny part about this is, Vito, you brought up draft capital. The Panthers are incentivized to win this game to knock back what would have been their pick for the Bears. And mm-hmm. the Bears are incentivized to win this game to <laughs> to make sure that the Panthers pick that they're getting is is as high as possible. So, um, well, it, I'm glad you said that, Scotty, because I had the exact same thought, and I was like, I'm going to take the Bears because if the Bears win this, that that locks in like at this point probably locks them into a top three pick. Yeah. But then I had the opposite thought was like, but also Carolina doesn't want Chicago to do that. I still think the bears have more to play for because look, the Panthers can, can win or lose. They don't get the pick right from a, from like an outsider media perspective, you might say like, well, you know, they're fighting to make sure that for, for prides, that way the bears don't get a better pick from them or whatever that doesn't really affect the organization. I don't think the organization or the front office or the, the team thinks that way, really. I think they're just trying to go out there and win a fucking football yeah, game. Yeah, no, it's just an interesting, so bad. An interesting the, narrative going the into Bears, this crappy weirdly, matchup. <laughs> the Bears, it's a very rare situation where a team is as bad as Chicago. And look, Chicago has two wins. If they get up to three, and especially if New England loses, like Chicago can find themselves outside of the top five in terms of draft picks this year. If you win here, you're basically cementing yourself getting a top three pick, if not the number one overall pick. So Chicago, I think, does have a little bit of extra juice to make sure they win this game. And it is rare, as I was saying before, to like have a situation where if you win, you're actually bettering your your draft position. Um, but I like your pick with Carolina there, Scotty. I, yeah. I, I kind of hemmed and hauled about it just because I like a lot of the pieces on Carolina's defense. I think this football game is going to be like – Iowa and Northwestern on steroids. I think this is going to be a really gross, weird football game. But uh, Iowa, by the way, Iowa Rutgers this weekend. The over under is set twenty eight. Have you? Oh, hammer that. Rutgers, that Rutgers is not it. that bad offensively. <laughs> Rutgers is not that bad. I'm Rutgers, saying, isn't it funny we talk about Iowa? But I've never seen twenties. What the fuck is the lowest in lowest football? in history? Right? Oh my god, <laughs> the Big Ten West. Last year, the U- Big Ten USC? West too. USC and. No, it's the, it's the last year of the Big Ten West. They're going to <laughs> no divisions be. next year. <laughs> oh, is it no division? No, we're, we're going to claim hoping. we're going to claim the two West Coast teams a year early. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. No, this is the last year where the Big Ten West and East exist. So moving forward, it'll just be the Big Ten and top two, the, the top yeah. two records, which is what it should have been done for a long yeah. time because Penn Agreed. State may, might have at that point Penn State might have actually made a, a the college football playoff at some point potentially if that was the case, but no longer. No longer. So Sorry, moving Wisconsin. forward. Ah, they're fine. They got Luke Fickle. All right. So Scotty's on the Panthers. Vito and I are on Chicago. Uh, all right. The Germany game, equally mm-hmm. as terrible, um, but a little more fr- fun and frisky. I don't, I don't know. How, how do you guys feel? Let me ask you, ask you this way. Because another report came out that the Crafts are willing to let Belichick Stay in Germany. Take your own flight home if they lose this game. In-season firing is now in play for Belichick, and and I, it's I, it's worth it's worth revisiting. No, because no, it's not. I'm 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 going to say this. It's worth revisiting. There have been multiple reports about it. The Boston Globe reported it today. Right. This isn't like you know uh, doggy style 420 on Twitter saying like oh you know the Patriots might. But this is like from the Boston Globe. Right. These are people who are connected to some level. 
I don't think it's far-fetched at all. And I think if you look back on the history of the New England Patriots, especially over the last few years with the departure of Brady, what is the one thing that Belichick was so good at, especially during the early days of the Patriots dynasty, right? The, the number one skill that he had that no one else in the NFL had was getting rid of that key core guy a year before he fell off the cliff, right? Mm-hmm. Think about your Richard Seymour's, right? He's always the perfect example. You have Richard Seymour, one of the best Lawyer defense. Malloy. Yeah, yeah, Lawrence. Mar- yeah, there's it, it's across the board. There's Rodney Harrison did the same thing. Like mm-hmm. you have guys like that who Belichick cuts the year before they move on. Belichick is inarguably extremely egotistical, and he knows all this stuff. But he's also a football historian. He's got all these things. He cares about the game a ton. But the one thing he was really, really good at for a long time was getting rid of people before they went. He tried to do the same thing with Brady. That's essentially what it came down to was he thought Brady hit his, like, I got to get rid of this guy before he falls off the cliff. And he tried to, and it backfired. Making that decision pissed off Robert Kraft to an extreme degree. He, Robert Kraft, and and Seth Wickersham has done a couple of reports on this, um, and there's going to be a killer book at some point about the ending of the Patriots dynasty that I will be super excited to read but there's been multiple reports that have come out and wickersham's one of those guys that when he reports it you you take it as as gold robert Kraft never wanted to get rid of tom brady he wanted brady to be a patriot for life forever and as soon as belichick made that decision that relationship got fractured and now we're going on to year number four of this right because the 2020 season 2021 22 and 22 this is 2023 all right so this is the fourth season without brady and it has gone consecutively downhill post brady robert Kraft is in his 80s he's not going to be around for a while he's tired of dealing with belichick who's not an easy person to negotiate with he's upward the reports are that he makes upwards of 18 to 20 million dollars a year which is astronomical for a head coach. And he deserves every penny for everything he's done over the course of his career. But from a negotiating standpoint as the owner, that's not what you want to deal with. You want to be able to get a head coach out the door if that's what you have to do. We are sitting at a point where this team has been bad for four straight years. The one playoff appearance they've had without Brady, they got shit pumped by the Buffalo Bills. I do not think that Kraft wants to hold on to this much longer. I think that relationship's been fractured fractured for four years. I think he's ready to make that call. I think he's ready to do that. And if they lose to the Colts in Germany in prime time, which maybe not prime time, but standalone where that's the only game that's on, I think it's very feasible. I would say the favorite is probably, like if you were to say, I'd say probably like minus 110 that Belichick keeps his job. But I think it's probably like plus 150 that he gets fired. I really do think it's that close. And I think the Colts have a very good chance to win this game. I think the Colts should win this game. They're the better football team. They have the better quarterback. They have the better coaching staff. The defense for the Patriots should be better, but with the injuries, no Christian Gonzalez. Again, the Colts should win this football game. They're a two-point favorite here. And I think we might see the end of Belichick before season's end. If nothing else, it was confirmed that Kraft has said that he's not afraid to do a midseason firing, which says a lot about the nature of his and, and Belichick's relationship. If he's willing to do an in-season firing 
for a dude that was the head coach of six Super Bowls for you and took you to an additional three, and you're willing to fire him in season, that says a lot about where the state of that relationship is. So I'm just saying. it's It makes no sense. What's the incentive no, if you lose this game? Like, then what? You're two and eight, right? And you come back home, you're still two and eight. That's not going to change. Your season's not going to change on a dime. So you're going to get rid of bring the, Josh the, McDaniels. They can bring in Josh. It, he's free. They're going to bring him in available. as an intern anyway. <laughs> they're going to bring McDaniels but in Scotty, for free. Just because Scotty, that's, there's no incentive. It's just bullshit. And how do you know this source isn't a guy who was who uh, the whoever wrote this for the Boston Globe isn't hearing this from annoyed Boston fans on the streets? Uh, outside of outside because of the, the Boston uh, Globe is a reputable media source. Yeah, are you okay. a, are you are you an anti media guy now, Scotty? No, I'm just There's saying. No like, have you heard Boston fans before? <laughs> he could have been in a bar talking sure. shit but with, the, with, no, but, with mean, Boston the fans, and they'd be Scotty complaining Scotty. about when the when the when the Bruins lost the in the flaw, in the first round. The flaw, for God's sake, the flaw in your argument is that we are talking about a billionaire. The laws of logic do not apply to people who have fuck you money, who have monopoly money, who do not care. They don't do the rational thing all the time. They do what they feel because they don't have any consequences for it, right? If Robert Kraft fires Belichick, they're not losing fans. No one's going to throw an arms up. Half the people in Boston, to your point, are furious at Belichick because of how bad this team has been. There is no incentive for him not to fire him. Right. It, it goes on both sides. He can fire him just because, in his opinion, he got like Belichick did something that pissed him off. He's got his six Super Bowls. They've been the dominant franchise. They need to move on at some point. It makes to me, it's like when you're talking about billionaires, like what what makes sense with Steve Ballmer going and trading for James Harden? Fucking nothing other than it's a it's a it's a name and it's it's got the 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 shine on it and it's a fancy name that might help with ticket sales right that's why steve ballmer wanted to go out and get james Harden, and that's why that trade happened because steve ballmer wanted james Harden. it makes no sense there's no logical argument for it but billionaires do what billionaires want to do because they're fucking billionaires no one can tell them no yeah I, i don't think either of that shit has anything to do with this though like in my opinion Kraft wants to win does Belichick give you the best chance to win right now? Yes or no? And I think he does. Like, I disagree. who are you bringing in this year? All right. So you think he's better off with promoting Jared Bill Mayo, the coordinator? Jared Jared Mayo is the name that's been thrown out, and I think Jared Mayo would, will make a fantastic Braves. head coach. I really do. I, I, and even if it's just no, for the interim tag, and you I disagree reset, completely. Though I disagree. How many, how many Super Bowls draw Mayo one as yeah, head coach? What? Like, okay, who's run franchise before? Who's been around multiple organizations? Who's being a head coach is so different than any other position. That experience is so valuable. And yes, yeah. you do need to change it up eventually. What's the difference I just between think, Jared Mayo hey, and Antonio hey, Pierce? I just think that there's a big difference, not much, but there's a big difference between firing Josh McDaniels for the second time midseason and firing a guy who has six Super Bowl champions for you. I get the relationship. Fuck that. I don't think billionaires, to your point, don't get to be billionaires by caring about their relationships that much. They care about results. That's how you get to that point. And so I believe that the results say that I would keep Belichick in worst case, if you get rid of him, Bill O'Brien gets promoted. He's had at least a head coach run in the NFL, but that's the only other guy. I think you'd move to that spot and he'd be, you know, that that's an option. I just don't think, first of all, I think they're going to win this game. Second, like, I think it'll be close, but I also think that like, if you're talking about traveling and all that stuff, 
I trust Belichick to have a shit in order for a team dealing with circumstances that aren't normal more than the Colts, right? The Colts have not shown that they've been great at anything in the last couple of years uh, to deal with like any adversity. They're a better team, but to your point, what Belichick brings, he has a damn good defense. And right now is when they always take a step up with whoever they have. I'm going to go okay. Patriots. Okay. The problem of your point, and this is a very fun conversation, so I'm glad that we're having this. The problem with your argument there, Vito, though, is that you're saying results, right? What have the results been for the last four seasons, including this year? Not good. Not, Not good, good right? Not so good. if Robert Kraft is the CEO of a company and he has one of his highest ranking employees or the highest ranking employee of one of his business that has had decreasing results for four straight years, does it make any sense in the world in any other business world, even if that guy was great in the past, to hold on to somebody who's been doing this for four years now? I think you got to look at it like this. I would say, I don't think I, I would be okay with getting rid of them or whatever. It's just mid season. It doesn't help you. It does not help your team. That's where I'm at. That's but not helping your team is fine because you are vying. The Patriots are in a position to get one of those top five draft picks. They're in a but position. Why bother firing him? Well, you're going to get the same result at the end of the day anyway. And that's where the personal aspect comes into it. That's where the relationship being as as fouled is. I Look, what again, you're saying. I, I still think the more the most likely outcome is that Belichick finishes the season. But the way that this team has played, I mean, they had a game that they should have won that because of a, a several coaching mistakes alone and Mac Jones's poor performance, right? So coaching and quarterback has that's essentially why they lost that game to the commanders. They had a lead. They had that game in control in the first half. They completely blew it in the second half. And the commanders were playing terrible football. It's like the commanders were playing good football in that game. They played terrible. But the Patriots played even worse. And I really, really do believe because the whole nature of Belichick and Brady or uh, Kraft and Brady's relationship is like they were like butt buddies. Like they were so tight with each other for so long. I really do think there's an uh, that, that Kraft has spent the last three and a half years being like, I'm giving Belichick the benefit of the doubt because he has done all this stuff for us. But at some point, benefit of the doubt runs out. And so I don't. Again, I'm just talking about a report that was said. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying if it happens midseason, I would not be shocked at all. I really, really wouldn't. And they love Jared Mayo there. He's been a coach there since he retired. He's come up in the system. I think he'll, again, the, the Antonio Pierce thing. Belichick's been bad. He just has. And I understand that there's been injuries on the defense, and it's still Belichick, and you still, like, we as fans – and, and football nuts, like we revere Belichick at a higher level than Robert Kraft does. So even though for us, it doesn't make sense to do that, to Kraft with all the personal stuff, I think it makes all the sense in the world. That being said, I'm taking the Colts here. The Colts, the, the defense is still banged up for the Patriots. Gardner Mitchell's been playing better football as he's hung on as the starter. The running game, which has been a weakness for the Patriots so far this season, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss, that's been how the Colts have done it, not to mention the John, the, the um, Shane Steichen scheme, the way he's been able to develop. doesn't matter whether it was the, the best defense in the NFL with the Cleveland Browns or a bad defense like we saw them play last week, the Colts uh, and the Panthers. The Colts have found a way to move the football on the ground, which opens everything up and makes life easier for Garner Minshew. The Colts are the better football team. I, I, I really do believe that on a neutral field, they're a two-point favorite. I'm rolling with the Colts. Vito's going with the Pats. 
Scotty, what say you? I say that the uh, the only thing offensively that has worked for the Patriots over the last two weeks, especially getting Ramondre Stevenson involved last week with uh, nine carries, 87 yards, and a touchdown, has been their running game for the Patriots. And they're going up on a neutral site in Germany, which might be somewhat more of a home game for them with the, the amount of probably Patriots fans in Germany. Um, but still, they're going up against the second-best run defense in the NFL and the Indianapolis Colts uh, as we stand today. And I like when you match that up, just like you're going to force Mac Jones to throw. Great. He's going to get Hunter Henry for 60 yards, maybe a touchdown. Fantastic. Who else is he throwing to? Doesn't matter. Colts defense is going to hold the day. And I looked at this line and I was like, two. Two. That seems like a slam dunk. So as emotional as it could be, as emotional as it could be for the Patriots. Lock it in, Colts Ooh, minus two. Oh, the first oh, week. I, I knew, by the way, you were setting that up. That was going to happen. Uh, what's interesting is the home field advantage thing in international games is so fascinating because there, there never really is a home field advantage. It's one of the few right. times in the NFL where it does really feel like it's a neutral site because NFL fans come. Like That's what I always love when they, go, yeah. when they go to London, they go to Germany. You'll see a jersey of all 32 teams in the crowd. Because it's, cool. it's their it's their one time to go and do that, right? Or maybe two times. But um, I like that pick, Scotty. I like that pick. I actually uh, I'm kind of jealous of it. I'm not gonna lie. Not gonna. Lie. I'm, I'm right. switching to Colts. I'm switching to Colts. Colts. I was just fired <laughs> up about Brady. They're about about. They, he, both, they both but, left but, today to go to Germany. So you take I, that. That's for good. Will. Uh, well, yeah, and even still, the Chiefs proved us wrong last week about that. So. Um, no, but that's why we love you, Vito, right? Because you are you are the defender of the like there has to be a Game of Thrones character that I'm forgetting who is like the defender of history, right? Like the the Sam Towley who like his whole yeah. his whole right his yeah. whole like the role. Grand was, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, you're the grand maester of the NFL for our league. That's what you are. Thanks, bro. And I appreciate that. And that's yeah, why we love I'll take you. that. I'd love to be an NFL nerd. Because you're going to defend the his, the history before it, ab- about it. And, and that's why we get so many different perspectives here. That's why we love it. All right. Sports. I didn't, sports. I did, sports. I think that's probably the most amount of time we've spent on two objectively terrible football games in the history of this podcast. So uh, we, we, will, we will speed up here for the other ones. Uh, Texans, Bengals. This is a fun game because, by the way, Bengals six and a half point favorites at home in this game. Um, this is a fun game because this is a test for the Texans, right? The Texans had the Ravens in week one, which first debut start, and they actually hung in that game pretty well. Remember, they, they lost 25 to nine, but for what we were expecting, they kind of hung in that game a little bit better. They surprised the Jaguars. No one expected that when they beat them 37-17 in week three. But since then, it's Pittsburgh, Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina, Tampa Bay. They basically just ran through the NFC South. So this is the first time since C.J. Stroud has, you know, kind of thrown his name out there. As some people, I think Darren Orlovsky even put this out on Twitter this week, saying uh, C.J. Stroud is a legitimate MVP candidate. I wouldn't say that, but uh, I, I do. I see where he's coming from. I don't think that's a clicks only take because I think his numbers speak for themselves. And I do think if you're just looking at blind resumes and you're saying pick out the top five MVP candidates based off of blind resumes, I think there'd be a decent amount of people who would pick CJ Stroud's resume to be in that group. Um, obviously, context 
does matter when we're talking about MVP and, and talking about some of the best teams. But this is a big prove-it game for the Texans, right? They haven't gotten their ass beat in a while. They haven't really been in one of those games where they go up a young upstart, first-year head coach, rookie quarterback. They haven't been in one of those situations where we're like, hey, like, let's see what this group has. Like, let's let's see what they can do when going up against the big boys. And the Bengals are playing as good a football as anybody. My question to you guys is, is this a trap game for the Bengals? Or is are the Bengals right now, is this, are they cruising at such a level that it doesn't really matter? They're just going to go out and execute and do their thing. It feels slightly trap game-ish, but also the Texans coming off that win, you expect them to come out a little bit low. I'm leaning towards the Bengals here just because I think the talent outweighs it at the end of the day. But I could I could see the argument for this being a trap game. So I want to hear from you guys. Is this a trap game? Did the Texans have a legitimate shot to either cover or win this football game? Oh, they got a, they got a chance. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're th- think about this. Bengals have one more win than the Texans, right? It's now true. they're they're playing very differently. But also, the last game for the Texans was the most electric win. Like that, the confidence builder that that instills in your team is huge. That being said, I think the Bengals are very very good. I think the fact that this is not a touchdown or more, it's six and a half, really lends me to think that maybe I do want to go ahead and take the Bengals here because, um, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. I, I will tell you this. I like the over. I think both these guys are going to throw it. I don't know what the, like, I would love a fourth quarter over. I don't know what that is, but like, if they do that, that this, Ooh, I got, these guys I got are some, both going to be at the end, slinging it, getting it down there. What are you saying, Scotty? I got some of that sprinkled in, uh, into my Ooh. analysis here. So don't you worry. <laughs> well, tell me, tell me more. Look, man, no, I. you look at the, and I think I will preface this by saying, I'm going to give you some data, but that data for the Bengals is probably skewed by the first four or five games of the year, right? Now the Bengals are hitting their stride. We're seeing what, what is totally different on the field compared to what we've seen in the, in the first quarter of the year. And I think that that there's something to be said for that, but you look at the numbers that, that bear it out even as well as they played over the last two games after the bye, Bengals are still in the bottom half, bottom third of the league in offense allowed, in yards per play, in rushing yards, in in yards per rush, in passing yards, in in completion percentage and attempts. I think to to that end, I think some of the offensive numbers are skewed for for Houston a little bit based on the some of the a couple of big games that CJ Stroud has had. But I think at the end of the day, that's what you pick apart as D'Amico Ryans and say, hey, look, they're going to come up with a game plan to to scheme for you, CJ, to stop you because that that defense gets humming and and they stop guys left and right, including Josh Allen for the most part last week, without except with his legs. The goal here, and I think this is where where the 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 identity comes in from this team, the goal is not to I mean, the goal is to win every game, but the goal for for the Texans and for C.J. Stroud is to go into this game knowing that, hey, maybe the Bengals are better, but I'm pretty sure we have a shot in this game because this football team is really good on both sides of the ball, this Houston Texans team. And I think they can put together a plan uh, that that will at least keep this game close enough, well within the six and a half points, because of how they've executed, because of how they've learned through the first eight weeks of the season. And 
I, I, you know, Cincinnati's one injury here or there from, uh, from, from popping this thing too. So I just think Houston is the pick right now at six and a half. I'm going to take the wow. Texans because I, th- not only, not only do they just look great on offense, they're, they're getting better on the defensive side of the ball. I think they can disrupt a little bit of what Joe Burrow is doing pound for pound. The, the Houston Texans, for the volume in the red zone that they've had this season, they are pound for pound the best red zone offense in the NFL with a 70, 78% touchdown rate. Um, if they can move the ball, and I think CJ will be able to do that, especially late in the game, I'm I'm all in on the uh, on the Texans covering the six and a half. Um, so give me the Texans. That's my pick. Interestingly, uh, Vito, and I pointed these stats out uh, or, or alluded to these stats a little bit, the first half money line has an eighty-seven percent hit rate for the uh, for the Houston Texans. Wow! The wow. second quarter money line has an eighty-three percent hit rate for the Houston Texans. So if you're looking to sprinkle a little degenerate money on some uh, some of the uh, quarters and halves, uh, there you go uh, for Houston. All that's, that's long. an incredible stat. That I'm, is I'm a crazy stat. Down. I love this Houston <laughs> team, right? Like it's it's all we've been saying all year is how much we've been enjoying this yep. run from the Houston's. From the Texans. They're still a young team. They're still a rookie quarterback. It's still a rookie head coach. Right. And just as easily as they can beat Jacksonville 37 to 17 or Pittsburgh 30 to six or Tampa Bay in the win that they had last week, they can still lose to Carolina 15 to 13. Right. They can still lose to Indy by 11 points. I love this Houston team. I think the emotional ride after coming off of the game that they just played is going to be a lot on this team. On top of that too, I also think that they're coming in and they're playing the team that might be playing the best football across the entire NFL. Yes, Vito, you're right. The Texans only have one less win than the Bengals. There's no shot in hell that these two teams are even close to being the same football team. I love Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. This is the run. Cincinnati, what we've seen from Cincinnati in the past when they have their slow starts is when they get on a run, they, they run and they win and they don't keep it close. You're giving me six and a half, a touchdown against a team that we are 10 days. What, not, what was it? Less than more than 11 days removed from losing to the Panthers. I'm taking Cincinnati, Cincinnati. Not only am I taking six and Natty, six and a half. They're my first oh. lock of the week. Oh, Scott, it's crazy. Jeff did it, man. I, look, that shit. I, I love Houston, but like, and this is what I was saying on Tuesday's pod. We are such like prisoners of the ro- of the moment when it comes to the NFL, which is fun and great in moments like the Josh Dobbs story in terms of like picking games and like thinking about long-term and thinking about who's actually good. Who's not like Cincinnati is so much better than Tampa Bay. Like they are a full another weight class above it. They are two weight classes above Carolina, right? And they just lost to Carolina two weeks ago, and then they barely hold on miraculously. And one of my favorite games and probably will be the best game of the season, best finish of the season, they found a way to beat Tampa Bay. Cincinnati's playing football at a whole nother level. Lou and Cousin Lou chomping at the bits to get after a rookie quarterback here. Eyes on, yeah. <laughs> I'm all in on Cincinnati right now. Cincinnati, I think, is playing as good a football as anybody in the entire NFL. And as much as I, I love this Houston team, 
I think they're going to have a lot of trouble against the Bengals. Cincinnati minus six and a half, locking it. And they're at home, so. All right, next game, Saints-Vikings. The, this is a full-blown, like, mid-off right now. This is this is middle of the pack versus middle of the pack. New Orleans is a three-point favorite on the road in Minnesota. Has the Josh Dobbs magic worn off? No. Survey, survey says? No. Beto says no. Scotty says no. I say yes. Oh, of course. what? Of course Look, look, I'm sorry I'm the buzzkill. I'm not trying to be the buzzkill on the pod. You don't here. think the week after that happens, everyone's excited, everyone's lifted up? Like, this is the first week that, like, the first encounter with this guy is so positive. Uh, on it, was the road, it, was it was incredible. Home. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Historically speaking, though, Vito, when a team has a really, really big emotional win, what happens the next week? Oh, yeah, there's letdowns. That's a real thing. But I yes. think it's a little different here. I don't see how, because even still, he's had, let's generously put it at 10 days. He's had, including the game day, to learn this offense, right? He does not, he's not been in the system enough to know it. What he did on Sunday was backyard football, right? When Baker went in and for, for the Rams, right, and won that game, was against the Broncos, wasn't it, Beto? No, but he, that, that was different. He got snaps that week. He had he a day snaps. of snaps. No, he had two days of snap full. No, off he went in snaps. mid. He mid in midweek. He, he didn't get yeah, there till like Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. So so again, Thursday. so he had he had he had Thursday snaps, Friday walkthrough weekend. So he had a day of snaps. Josh Dobbs got Josh 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 Dobbs got uh, traded on on Tuesday. So he, yeah, had he to, didn't take a single snap the entire practice. He got none. At all, which, the entire week. Because they were trying to prep up the rookie quarterback, which I understand. Exactly. Yeah. What I'm saying, though, is that we're, we're talking about like, hey, like we're, we're talking about negligible differences. Like if you got 50 snaps versus zero snaps, yes, there's a difference. But in terms of chemistry development, all that stuff that like really impacts NFL games, like that part of it wasn't there for either side. Right. So those guys went out and played backyard football. Baker did it last year. Josh Dobbs went out and did it in this game. It worked out for Minnesota. This game was, and not to mention, Minnesota's been on this, what, four-game win streak. The Saints have a good defense, all right? The Saints at least have a system in place with their offense, as weird as it is. I think this game is a really ugly, gross game. I love the under here. Um, It's at 40 and a half right now. I love the under in this game. The Saints are the better football team, and like, objectively speaking with all of the attention and all of the social media and everything else that's gone out about Josh Dobbs in the last, you know, since Sunday, at some point, like we have to remember who he was for the first eight weeks of the regular season, which was fine. He was fine. Objectively fine. Better than we anticipated. Sure. But that's more about expectations than it is what he actually did on the football field. Whereas Derek Carr, has been slightly better than fine with a better defense and better skill position guys. And I know they opened up the practice window for Justin Jefferson. His status is still unclear whether he's going to play in this game or not. If Justin Jefferson plays, okay, maybe I'm more inclined to take the Vikings plus three. But ultimately here, and I can't believe I'm doing this after they fucked up the padlock, I'm taking New Orleans. I'm taking no. New Orleans. I don't like they're it. Dead to I me. hate it. I literally said on Tuesday they're dead to me, and I swore them off. 
I'm taking him here. It's the it's Ugh. the thing that makes the most sense because Josh Dobbs still has a basic understanding of how this offense works, a basic understanding understanding of the verbiage and how the, the actual language of this offense operates. And there's like a 50-50 chance that he's going to have Justin Jefferson. If Justin Jefferson's in this game, then yes, I would be more likely to play the points. But at this point on Thursday afternoon, we don't know if he's playing or not. So I'm taking the Saints. I hate it because I hate the Saints. I said I was done with them, but yet here I am taking them minus three against the Vikings. Yeah, no, that's a bad pick. Uh, look, the the Saints defense is good. <laughs> but you, you talk about Justin Jefferson coming back. Even if he doesn't come back this week, he's going to have uh, at least Josh Dobbs getting the reps in this entire week with the first and Kevin O'Connell scheming up whatever the the offense looks like when Justin Jefferson does come back. So I'm, I'm a big believer in Kevin O'Connell. I think he's one of the better head, young head coaches in the league. Um, and I think he's going to prove that with, with, uh, with just throw whoever you need out under center. Um, this isn't designed around Kirk cousins. This is designed around um, how we've built this year. All of a sudden they have a running game with Alexander Madison their offensive line is getting better each week. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying it's getting better each week. Their defense, same thing. Not great, getting better each week. And I think that's what you want when you throw a guy like Josh Dobbs out there. Just like keep it close enough for him to like make something happen, right? And we saw that last week, and I think you'll see it again this week against the Saints team who last week against the Bears offense did enough to... to create turnovers and make stops, but that offense looked atrocious in the red zone, like absolutely abhorrently atrocious in the red zone. So uh, if your game plan does not get the ball to Alvin Kamara 56 times this game, then you're just flat out wrong. I'm sorry. Like a big play over the top to Olave, Rashid Shaheed, um, maybe, sure, great. Michael Thomas get involved with, with five and 50 for a touchdown, maybe. I don't know. But you need to get the ball to Kamara because when that offense works, even with a healthy Derek Carr, it runs through Kamara. So uh, let me see it and, and prove me wrong. That's fine. But like, I think the Vikings are on a much better trajectory than the Saints are right now. And I'm going to take the Vikings this week. Home dogs too, by the way. Yeah. They are. I, I I'm going Vikings too, and the reason why is I think the like imagine getting again a new coworker or anything like that in the first couple of weeks, like they they kill it right away, and everyone's like, oh shit, this guy's gonna help us win, right? Like new teammate, a kid transfers to your school when you're younger, and he just crushes the cross, right? And your whole team just takes off, whatever it is. Um, as all that happens, like there's just love and camaraderie and, and something new for everyone to embrace. And it's on everyone to help this guy get up to speed. And they saw what he could do with barely anything. It's a new system, football. Every team that you're at, every new situation is a fresh start almost. Uh, I I believe in that. I believe in Dobbs. Um, I really like how he played. And I'm going to take the Vikings because I think not only could they, you know, win, to your point, I, I'm an optimist. I think Jefferson does get to play. And I also think that their defense can do enough um, with – again what what's going on with the saints offense which should be so much better than it is it's just underperforming so can the defense capitalize once or twice maybe they lose but i think within three is reasonable and i take the vikings i hope josh dobbs balls out like as a football fan i'm just saying historically speaking 
when we have Cinderella stories like this, when we have the underdog who comes out and plays amazing out of nowhere, the following week, it is very unlikely that they do. I hope Would I'm you wrong. believe in something. Just believe in something. Man. I believe in numbers. I believe in <laughs> what I, I believe in history. I believe in what's happened in the past. And I will be look as a football. Do you fan, believe in miracles <laughs> as a yes. football fan. I 100% believe that I would love to see Josh Dobbs do amazing. But as a football like analyst, if we can say that, I will tell you that the Analyst. odds of that the the odds of that happening are very low. How'd you know? Uh, all right, next up, Packers Steelers in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are three and a half point favorites in this game. Uh, not really sure what to make of Green Bay after that game. Um, it was a very weird game last week. Uh, this is also a fun game. This is one of those matchups where you're like, wait, two historical f- franchises who've been in the NFL for a very, very long time that you don't see play very often. Uh, So this is a cool one to watch, even if it's not the best football we've ever seen. Um, Can the Steelers stay hot and prove to six to three? We saw a little bit more with Mac Canada, right? Being on the sidelines, but it still wasn't great in that Thursday night game, but they do get the extended by green Bay comes off their first win since week two, a desperately needed win, but albeit against a, a, a Rams team who, by the way, I'm assuming you guys saw Carson Wentz got yeah. signed to the Rams. Talk about desperation mode where Yikes. he ended his career. <laughs> well, what? so my mom said the same thing, but remember that injury was before SoFi Stadium was built. So I'm pretty yeah, was sure it was at yeah. the Coliseum. Yeah. Not um, that. How about they took Rams took Jared Goff one overall and Wentz was two. Yeah. Uh, or later on, you know what I mean? They did all that stuff. So it's kind of funny that at the end of the day, they got rid of one or they got rid of Goff, got Stafford. He's a starter, but then they're bringing in Wentz, the number two pick at the time also to back him up. It's just, crazy. there was, there was some stat that was like Sean McVay has had, cause that was the 2017 draft. It was like Sean McVay has had a 20. No, it was a 2016 draft has had four guys from the four or five guys from the first round of that draft. Cause he's had Jalen Ramsey. He's had Goff. Now he has Wentz. And there was two other guys that I can't remember who it was, but he's had Baker. like, <laughs> oh, no, no, no not that draft there. Yeah. I'm just, I was thinking like how many like top two quarterbacks has he had? <laughs> have been, have, yeah. have been under the same coach. Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> um, look, so in this game, I still don't know what to make of the Packers. I still don't think they're very good. I think the Steelers' defense is very good. And I think Jordan Love, as we've seen, has struggled when going up against elite pass rushers. The game against Minnesota comes to mind with Danielle Hunter, who I believe is still in uh, first place in the league in sacks. Uh, I like the Steelers here. I don't like the line. I don't like that it's three and a half. To me, this should be a minus three game. Um, But you do get the hook in this game. I'm going to take Pittsburgh, but I'm doing it cautiously only because I believe in the Steelers defense and I, for whatever reason, when it comes to nut crunching time, the Steelers find a way to get it done offensively. So putting faith in the Steelers defense at home here to pull out a win, to get at least a four point win, I'd feel a lot better if it was three or two and a half, but those are the cards were dealt. I'm taking Pittsburgh minus three and a half. I'm in the same boat, man, for the exact same reasons. I wish this was a two and a half. I feel like this is going to be a low scoring, close game. Uh, neither offense is 
killing it by any means. Um, it was nice to see the Steelers finally in the last couple of weeks try to run the ball better. And Najee finally had a decent game, but like a couple in a row. But um, yeah, this is a, this is a rough matchup. I'm going to take the Steelers just because they have some, again, some unit you believe in. I always look at that. Like is the offense or defense for either team a unit I believe in. I believe in the Steelers defense, even with injuries, they'll be better. Um, we're locking up. Or I'm not locking up. Sorry. I'm taking the Steelers. That is not Ooh. a lock. Trust me. No. <laughs> Oof. Oof. A bold lock. Yeah, don't don't lock that, please. <laughs> Leave the door wide open. All right, I'm probably walking. Yeah. It's beads in the doorway. It's not even a fucking door. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hippie loving. Uh, listen, the Steelers defense is really good. TJ Watt is a dog, uh, and I think that that unit he, that unit keeps them in it at the end of the day. The problem is this line moved from literally the time I entered into the spreadsheet before we started recording. From three to three and a half. So you give me the hook now. I'm going to lean Packers because you can run against the Steelers team. You can, um, especially off the blitz. So if if they can get Aaron Jones involved, the if the Packers can get Aaron Jones involved like they did last week, I think this is going to be uh, uh, a day where you can you can let him cook and then get one big play out of your offense from uh, a Steelers defense who is getting better on in the secondary, but still has not uh, been great. Um, maybe one big play to uh, to Christian Watson or, or, or something like that is, is what I'm thinking in my mind's eye. So three and a half at home. The first thing I looked at when I, when I was not even the, the, the betting line, when I was looking at these, I saw the Steelers record at five and three. And I was like, what they're five and three. <laughs> and so, um, so now uh, that means that they're they're due to make it five and four, and I think the uh, the Packers will uh, will be able to do enough. The um, I I I hate this pick, I do. But you give me the hook, I'm going to take the Packers uh, on this one uh, with see, Aaron Jones see, potentially. The fact in the that game. the fact that the the line moved right beforehand makes me feel even better about the Steelers because I'm just fading the public. Right, Scott Van Pelt has made a living doing nothing but just fading the public on every single pick. That's literally the only thing he does, which is why I love SVP. The only thing he does with his picks is what's the what's the public on? Oh, they're heavy on the on the Packers. Cool, I'm taking the Steelers, and he ends up being right more often than not. Maybe we just need to do that with every single pick. I don't know. Um, all right, let's go to this next game. This next game is like I. This might be the hardest game to pick of the year, and it's between two teams that are complete like. I have no ideas. Uh, Tennessee at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is a one-point favorite in this game. I have no fucking clue. Talk amongst yourselves. I have no idea. Convince me one way or the other, Tennessee or Tampa Bay, because I have no idea. This is uh, when they're asking for votes at, like, the UN where you abstain. Like, there is no answer here. This is a plus one difference. No good one. (laughs) No, no. Uh, So, Titans are plus one. Listen, so you look at the matchup here, okay, mm-hmm. between these mm-hmm. two, and something I they're both three and five. They're mm-hmm. both probably uh not killing it by any means. What? But what what you can say is that the Buccaneers offensive unit has at least produced they have a great offensive line. They played very well this year. Um, they have talent outside. Like again, I believe in that unit. Tennessee's defense has not been the best by any means, and I really do. I like Will Levis a lot. I think he's going to, again, play well. 
but you're going up against Vita Vea. Shaq Barrett signed a new deal. Winfield Jr. I, I really like this defense as well. They've underperformed. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take the Bucks, And I, I really do think it's because of they have just elite players. And I, I love Levis and I hope he does well. But I just think that the difference is all over that Bucks team on the outside on both sides of the ball and the interior yep. on both sides of the ball. I think they're better. Yeah. And I'm and actually going to go ahead and make this a lock. Ooh, Ooh, love the one lock. Love it. Yep. No wiggle um, room either, man. Tampa Bay minus one. No wiggle room. Let's pick them. And and you're right, Vito. All the all the things you said about the the Bucks defense. I think, especially you look at last week, Will Levis ran into and granted it was a standalone game. Will Levis ran into a a good defense and looked like a rookie a little bit better than like an average rookie, but he still looked like a rookie a little bit. Um, and now you go into a second week on the road again against a, a, a pretty good defense um, in the, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that's going to be a, a problem for them as well on the, on the, the, uh, on the offensive side of the ball for the, uh, for the Titans. And all of a sudden the Bucks can run uh, like Rashad White had his best game of the year yeah, last, right? uh, last week. Right. So all of a sudden you can run and now you can run on this defense. Look what the look how well the the Steelers neutralized Jeffrey Simmons last week. All you do is double him, and all like the, the uh, Jalen Warren, who had the the biggest game on the ground for the for the Steelers last Thursday. Um, all of a sudden, you can run on this defense. They gave away one of their best uh, secondary coverage pieces in Kevin Byard, and so you've been able to throw on them the last two weeks. And Baker looked really, really good, especially down the stretch in that fourth quarter, uh, managing the game number one, but like number two, like getting the getting the rock to guys who were open, whether it was Evans, uh, who almost had that touchdown, whether it was Chris Godwin in big moments to get pick up first downs, or Kate Otten, who had two touchdowns. So it I mean, didn't he, matter he for scored, Baker. To your point, he scored with like 40 some seconds left, and yeah. CJ Stroud was just CJ Stroud and was incredible. Yeah. It was unbelievable, yeah. So uh, no no reason to lose that game offensively for the Bucs, and I think they keep that train rolling, especially in a division, and they know it's gettable, uh, where you need to just keep winning games. And this is a very, very, very winnable game at home against a Titans team that is kind of on the ropes a little bit. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucs as well. I'm not going to make it a lock with the one, but I, I will take the Buccaneers in this game to win outright. How quickly... Scotty, how quickly you jump from the Mike Vrabel underdog bandwagon. It's only, have, if it was a home game, then I would, I would, my narrative matter. would be very different. Doesn't matter, dude. I, I love Tennessee in this game. I really do. And I, I, the only like logic points I can make is that Pittsburgh's a much better defense than. Tampa Bay and Will Levis looked pretty damn good against that defense. I'm not worried about Tampa Bay's defense. They look long in the tooth in the areas where they were dominant. Like Vita Bay is still a stud. He still is good in the run stopping game. You still have Derrick Henry over there though. And typically in that offense, they don't run Derrick Henry right up the middle. They let him run that zone op, the, the zone running scheme where they can let him get out to the outside, attack those, those tackle tight end gaps or the guard tight end gaps where they can, basically try to neutralize Vita Vea. But more importantly, every time all of the statistics point to take the team that the Titans are playing and the Titans are underdogs, the Titans find a way to just do it. I really it's like Will Levis. Yeah. Will Levis has been named this starting quarterback for the remainder of the season. 
by Mike Vrabel. This team is fully committed. The one area of weakness I think Tampa Bay can really get beat on right now is on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins, we've seen through two games with Will Levis, has become a significant factor in this offense. I like the depth there. It takes a lot of pressure off of Traylon Burks. Um, uh, uh, Westbrook Akine has is a fantastic third receiver in the slot. The tight end position, Frisker, everyone else that they have there. I think the Tennessee defense, obviously Kevin Byard is like a big loss, but it really hasn't dropped off a ton without him in the two games without Kevin Byard. I love Tennessee in this game. I'm not making them a lock, but I love Tennessee plus one. To me, I think they're the better all-around team. And ultimately, too, like this is a big game for Will Levis, right? If he comes out here and lays a stinker, then all of the questions we have about Will Levis and had about him coming in and everything else become valid. But what we've seen through two games is a kid who can come out there and fucking ball. And I think most of the people right now, most of the public money right now is on Tampa Bay because we know them. They're a known quantity. I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to take Tennessee. I'm going to take Will Levis. I like Tennessee plus one in this game. All right, one more game in the 1 o'clock zone. Scotty, your boys are back. And this is probably the game of the day. There's a couple of options for it. But San Francisco at Jacksonville. San Francisco is a three-point favorite on the road. Scotty loves his home dog, so I know that doesn't make you feel good going into this game. Scotty, no, it how, does not. How are you feeling about this game coming in to uh, to, to week 10 after the bye week? Does, did, did they figure it out? It looks like Trent Williams is not going to play in this game. Yeah, well, I've heard conflicting reports. Debo, um, Debo's back. Playing. Yeah, Debo's, Debo's playing, back. But the Trent Ayuk Williams is back, is, healthy. Also, speaking of back, real quick, shout out to Mina Kimes. She just released her first podcast today since she had a baby. It was so great Very nice. hearing Excellent. her and like here because there is, in my opinion, in terms of nerd breakdown stuff, there's no one I want to hear talk more than Mina Kimes. Same. So, she's incredible. She has but one her. flaw. Mm. One flaw. What? That she's married? No, that's uh, that fans. and that she's a Seahawks fan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> make that two flaws. <laughs> no, so so Trent Williams, uh, Trent Williams may or may not play. I think that's closer to a game time decision than it looks right now on the injury report. Um, but either way, it, whether it's it's him or or, um, or or whatever, whoever we throw out there at left tackle is going to have to go against Josh Allen, who's been uh, resurgent this year. Just, like I think he he's one of the more underrated linemen in the league. Um, on the interior, I think we're going to be okay with uh, with Trayvon Walker uh, on the offensive line. I just don't know what version we're going to get right now, right? Especially going into a bye, having played the last three games the way that we did. I, I don't know what version we're going to get. And, and Kyle came out this week and said, it doesn't matter. Uh, we treat every week the same, whether it's uh, you've lost three in a row or if you, you've won 15 in a row, I think was his his quote or something like that. I might be paraphrasing. Um, and to me as a fan, I'm like, that makes sense to say to the media, but like I'm a, a tick away from hitting the panic button. Okay. So it, it like, if you, if you come out and say that you're treating a week against the Jaguars on the road, off of a buy off of a, against a team that also had a buy that doesn't have to travel 3000 miles to go play this game. That seems mildly concerning to me so the three points on a pick'em is like insane i'm gonna take the niners obviously uh but i think that the the 
the concerns are real because you just don't know which, like you expect Jacksonville to keep humming after five wins in a row, they hit a bye um, and, and they're playing really well. And that's a team who, as they grow older with each other, uh, especially as long as Doug Peterson's there, is going to be competitive and learn how to play and, and learn how to win the right way. I don't know right now what version of the 49ers we're getting. I hope it's the one that we saw through the first five weeks of the season, or at least like even three quarters of that would be fine against this Jacksonville team because I think at the end of the day, we're a better team, which is why I'm going to take the 49ers this week on the road, anticipating that things are going to be back to somewhat normal with the bye week, with with Kyle getting the game plan right, with everyone getting a little more healthy, um, whether or not we have Trent Williams uh, in the lineup. You go ahead, Vita. So this is tough. I really like the Jags. They're the hottest team in the NFL. They have the longest win streak in the NFL, which is crazy. And like they're six and two, both winning and against the spread, which matters. And they've obviously gone on a streak against some good defenses. They put up points against, they've shut out or not shut out, but you know, held Buffalo to 20 points. Um, Indy's been putting up a lot of points on people. They've done a good job there and it was in her division to win by double digits in your division is tough. Um, you know, this, this kind of winning streak, they put up 31, on the good saints defense. I think that to your point, the Jags here are really, in my opinion, humming on all cylinders. And I don't know if the 49ers are yet. I'm going to take the Jags in this game. Uh, I really like what they're doing. They're at home. They're dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's always a good sign. And I just well, really, Jaguars, really, but... you're right. They are, they're, they're cats. They're not dogs. They're cats. <laughs> they're big cats. I'm going to take the big cats. They're under cats. Your, your, yeah. They're under cats. That's exactly right. And I'm taking them against your gold miners out there in Northern California. <laughs> well, I, I'll say I don't, it. I don't hate it. Like I'll, to, I'll... to be fair. <laughs> I'll preface this by saying that I strongly agree with one of the two of you. The question is, which one do I agree with? I would bet Uh, uh, two paychecks that it's not me. You would be correct. I'm taking the Jaguars in this game. Um, When you look at some of the advanced defensive numbers, uh, right now Jacksonville is top five in uh, run defense. They are top five against the screen. They are basically playing a very, very, very similar brand of football statistically to what the Niners did last year. If you were to take just blind resumes and look at a team that was ranked middle of the pack in pass defense, in run defense, in uh, red zone defense, and then another one that was top five in all those categories, you would think the Niners defense, of course, would be the one that's in the top five. But it's not. The Jaguars are playing really, really good football. They're doing it without Trayvon Walker being a huge impact player. They're doing it with really, really good and strong play in the secondary. They're doing it with arguably the deepest linebacking core in football. They have three guys who are all playing about equal amount of snaps right now and playing at an extremely high level. The Niners are obviously a good football team. Debo being back will be helpful. I think everything I've seen is pointing towards Trent Williams not playing in this game. And I think that's a major problem for San Francisco. 
However, I am fascinated to see because ultimately, Scott, typically when you're like five and three team, like one of the most talented rosters in the NFL, top to bottom, you say, oh, by week 10, if your team loses, are you hitting the panic button? Most people would say no. I actually kind of agree with you because this defense under Steve Wilkes is not the same defense it's been. One of the strongest attributes that D'Amico Ryans had as a defensive coordinator was knowing exactly when to time up a blitz at the right time. Steve Wilkes has missed on many blitzes, and they're going up against one of the strongest screen run offenses in the entire NFL in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson loves to dial up a screen. He loves to time it up, particularly with a blitz when there's less guys in the back end. Trevor oh, Lawrence he's got is, two, of, two of the best guys to do it with Lawrence and ETN. Trevor Lawrence is also number one in the NFL of uh, in terms of getting the ball out and uh, time to release, right? This is going to be a really, really big test of this San Francisco secondary. And on more than that, too, they're in a position where they really can't afford to drop another game because Philly's going to lose a couple of games here in this stretch they're coming up. Yeah, but you but got a two-game lead already. They do. And that means that every game that San Francisco loses from here on out is one that helps the Eagles. It's one gift. It's one buffer that the Eagles have to protect themselves from the one seat. All the Eagles need are for the Cowboys to lose one more game. And the, at that point, statistically speaking, the Eagles will have a very strong, like they're already in like, I think it's like 87% chance to win the NFC East. If the Cowboys lose one more game, that number jumps up to like 95%. San Francisco is still the number one threat for the NFC to take the one seat away from the Eagles. I know Lions fans will probably tell me, what about us? I love the Lions. I still think the Lions are going to drop a couple of games. We'll see how they look coming off the bye here. This is a huge game, a huge test for this team. But the person I'm most curious to watch in this game, hands down, is Brock Purdy. I need to see if Brock Purdy comes back from the bye week and is the Brock Purdy we saw for the first 10 games of his career. Because if that Brock Purdy comes back here, and I understand that the defense has let them down from, during some of those games, Brock Purdy did too. All of them. Well, right? If, he did. He I pushed did. back. But, yeah. The, the game against Cleveland was not Brock Purdy's fault, and we and I said that on this pot. The other loss, but he also played like shit during that game before that last drive. He balled out in the last drive. Jake Moody misses the field goal. I need to see the rebound from Brock Purdy because if Brock Purdy comes up and it's the same stuff, and I would hope, knowing Kyle Shanahan, that he's been in the lab for the last two weeks coming up with something new and exciting and fun to help elevate Brock Purdy moving forward. If that happens, I'm all the way back in on the Niners being as good of a Super Bowl and high of a Super Bowl possibility, especially beating this team. I think it's a really bad matchup for them. I think in terms of actual stylistic skills, like the things that the Jaguars love to do, I think it's a bad matchup on both sides of the ball. And I think it's going to be a really, really good test. And if they can win this game without Trent Williams, I'm all the way back in on the Niners being a yeah. fully legit Super Bowl contender. But they need this win. They absolutely need this win. Well, so, for, for more than just that, too, like the, for the, to the idea that you could lose four games in a row, one coming off of a bye after going through five weeks of the season saying you're world beaters and like all of a sudden we're everybody's putting us in the Super Bowl in, in Vegas 
like without even questioning it. And they then, had higher odds than the Eagles coming into the season. All right. Like right. everyone thought yeah. about that coming into the season. It's not like because of the first couple of games this year, everyone switched their mind and was like, oh, the Niners are actually pretty good. Those were the expectations, which is why the way they looked through the first five weeks was so impressive. It's what's happened after that. This is the, the thing I said about Brock Purdy, which was what does he look like? When he faces adversity, he's felt adversity the last three weeks before the bye. He's had a month of adversity. Sunday is the day to prove that you can overcome it, which is why I'm so locked in on what he's going to do on Sunday. And I think Jacksonville's going to end up winning the game only because I think it's a really, really bad matchup. But if Brock Purdy goes out there and balls out for 300 yards and two touchdowns and doesn't turn the ball over, I'm not going to 50. Yeah, yeah I, I'm not going to write yeah, them off. Yeah, the I'd take 250 season. and three, three to four touchdowns. But right behind them, if that's one, a, if that's one, then one A is can the defense snap back? Yeah, and that's the e- big question. ETN's going to be a problem for them in this game, especially the way they utilize him. He's the number one usage running back in the NFL through 10 weeks or nine weeks. Um, how they do managing him is going to be a factor. So. Yeah. All right. That's the one o'clock games. So take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll hammer the after the late afternoon and Sunday night, Monday night games. And then we'll get you guys on your way to the weekend. All right. I'm dumb. Um, I thought <laughs> the Ravens and uh, Falcons were because they were next to each other on the ESPN page. I had a brain fart, thought it. We still have one more one o'clock game. Browns, Ravens hitting it now. Uh this is an interesting game. Ravens minus six and a half at home in this game. Um, Deshaun Watson coming off of his probably best game as a Brown, at least statistically. PFF yeah. had him just in week nine alone as the like fourth highest graded quarterback. So, um, you know, but the thing is, is like eyeball test. The version that we saw in Houston of Deshaun Watson, like that dude's gone. Like, I, I don't think we're ever seeing that dude again. It's it's we're coming up on a year, you know, since Deshaun actually it was week 10 was when it was a 10 game suspension. Right. So week 11 will technically be when Deshaun Watson would have made his return. Um, so we're coming up on a year's worth of Deshaun Watson. And it's been the same type of shit with him. Um, this Ravens team is obviously really fucking good. Um, the over under in this game is really low. Thirty eight and a half, which feels low. I understand the Browns defense is really good. The Ravens defense has been playing really good. The one thing with this Browns team is they have really struggled to run the ball without um, uh, Nick Chubb. So since that injury, they have dropped to the bottom of the league in running and just like overall rushing stats, which means a lot of this is going to have to fall on Deshaun Watson. Now a six and a half point spread in a divisional game feels like you should always take the underdog but I'm not going to take the underdog in this game. This feels to me like the Ravens have hit a, and any other team that has back to back and honestly their last three wins as convincing as the Ravens have been. Um, you would take them to have like maybe a step back game and especially a spread that big against a divisional rival. I think the Ravens are really good. And I think the Browns have struggled to move the football, no matter who's playing quarterback. Uh, even when Nick Chubb was in, they weren't necessarily a high powered offense. The only saving grace for the Browns would be if Amari Cooper just has a monster day, which shout out to Amari Cooper because he's just yeah. like when he left Dallas, like that's still one of the dumbest things that Dallas ever did, like letting Amari Cooper out of that door. Like imagine the Cowboys if they still had Amari Cooper with C.D. Lamb, 
and they had like their, so they had their own version of AJ Brown and Devonte or T Higgins and Jamar Chase or any of these one two combos. It just it's so dumb in retrospect. And now the the Browns are you know they're trying you know they're trying their best. I feel bad for Mari because he's clearly got a lot of really really good football left in him. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think this offense, the line of scrimmage dominance of the Ravens has been really impressive. And they've done it now multiple times against teams with really good offensive lines, the Lions and the Seahawks. Um, I, I'm leaning towards the Ravens here, but to me, there's also that part of me that's kind of like six and a half is a lot. And the Ravens, their whole resume does is not indicative to feeling like they're going to win this game by six and a half. I believe they won. This is the second meeting between them, right? They played earlier in the season, or is this the first one? They played Cincinnati earlier, did they? Play? Um, yeah, no, they beat they play. beat Cleveland they beat them tw- twenty-eight to twenty three. three yeah. But that was the DTR game. Yep, um, that was the Dorian Thompson Robinson game. So, um, not the I I went to high school with a guy who was nicknamed DTR. So every time I hear that, it it fucks me up because I always <laughs> just think of the guy I went to high school with. Um, also had a hyphenated last name. Uh, but yeah, I I still think that Cleveland just doesn't have the horsepower to hang with Baltimore. But Baltimore's offense to me has still been so up and down. The one thing that Baltimore can do against Cleveland, the one thing you can do against Cleveland is you can run the football. And so I feel like Baltimore is going to be able to do that again. But six and a half is a lot of points. Where are you guys leaning on this game? I'm taking the Browns to cover because it is, it's just divisional. It's too high of a spread. Like, I hope this goes to seven before the game starts. I really do. But it's a divisional game, to your point. Ravens throughout their their like they always have it seems like an up other than a down game like to your point right before they beat the Browns 28 to 3 they lost to the Colts in overtime 22 to 19 right and then after that they lost to the Steelers but then they beat the Titans and then they blow out the Lions which is great but then they almost like they let the Cardinals cover (laughs) seven points so it's just back and forth and I think they blew them out the Seahawks last week I think this week's going to be not a, a letdown but um it's going to be a little different when a, a team like the Browns are coming in now they're, they're kind of similar, but I think miles Garrett is just an absolute game wrecker. Um, and I, I actually have the Browns to cover again. I, I think the Ravens will win just six and a half is a lot with these teams. I feel like they always have weird scores too in this division. I don't know why some score got no. me shit, you know? Yeah. I'm actually, I'm with you, dude. I'm taking the Browns. I was, I was leaning towards the Browns and that just kind of gave me the, like the confidence to back it up. I, there's no way that the Browns get blown out twice by the Ravens right. in the same season. I think that defense is too good. And also, the Ravens have been playing too good of football. They just have. Like, if there's one thing we've learned this entire season, is it's that exact thing of beware. And I've said it multiple times beware of the team that's played too well, right? The Ravens, they've blown out NFC teams. This is now a divisional lineup. This is at home. It feels like, you know, Pittsburgh went to Baltimore earlier this year and they stuck it to the Ravens. The Ravens, I do think, are a really, really good football team. I still, like I said, I picked them to be the one seed in the AFC. I still am not a full-blown believer in this offense. And and a major part of it comes into we have yet to see a game that has become entirely dependent on Lamar Jackson throwing the football. I want to see that game. You're not going to see it this week. Why not? The the, the Browns have – Because it's one of the better secondaries. 
but but that's what I'm saying. That's exactly why I'm taking Cleveland. I think Cleveland's going to take the runaway. I think Jim Schwartz is going to dial up everything he can to make sure that Lamar Jackson in this running game does not work because that's all they've been able to do. If Lamar Jackson in this new offense, when he's been forced to have to throw the ball, it's not he's been really efficient, but he hasn't put up like world beater stats, which is why I said on Tuesday's pod when we were talking about Lamar as that favorite for the MVP, it doesn't compute in your head because the stats aren't necessarily there. The efficiency is off the charts, but I want to see a game where in this Todd Munking offense, where they have to rely on Lamar Jackson throwing the football. And ultimately OBJ has been a bit of a bust in terms of what he's contributed there. Zay Flowers is still a rookie and Rashad Bateman's been ultimately disappointing despite the fact that I loved him coming out of Minnesota. Really their only truly 100% reliable pass option is Mark Andrews. And I think Cleveland's going to do everything they can to make sure that the Baltimore Ravens are not going to run the football in this game. We're going to make it ugly. We're going to make it close. Six and a half is within that touchdown spread. I like getting those points. I think Cleveland's defense is too good. I think Deshaun's going to struggle. And ultimately, the way that the Ravens can blow this spread out is if they do what they've done in other games, which is that the defense carries the way. And as good as the defense has been, yes, they blew out Detroit. Yes, they blew out Seattle. Those teams are not true Super Bowl contenders, right? They're they're good teams. No kidding. They're ve- they're very good. Detroit might be a fringe Super Bowl contender, but they're good teams, right? They basically just dominated them up front with the line of scrimmage. The, they're not going to be able to do that with the Browns. The Browns are really good at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They lost Tristan Wirfs, which is objectively like a big loss for them. I still like the Browns to win this game or not to win this game, but to at least cover. I think the Ravens win it in a close one and improve to eight and two, but I like the Browns to cover the spread at six and a half. Dude, that's a thing. Like the six and a half is what's killing me. Cause like these divisional games do not go over a touch, especially in the AFC North do not go over a touchdown a whole lot. Right. Well, and to your point, they, if they do like, they don't go over twice. Like they blew them out 20 to three. Right. It's hard to do that twice in one year. Right. So, and that's why I'm kind of leaning Browns with you guys, but I think there's, there's something to be had from a pass game um, from Lamar Jackson. It doesn't have to be spectacular, like the 300 yard day and Zay Flowers has a hundred plus yard day and, and OBJ has, as a touchdown or two, I think it can be done in sort of a ground and pound way where you're running short routes up the middle, dig routes, mesh routes uh, that that get you yards after the catch and rely on the speed of these guys. A Flowers was one of the fastest guys we've seen in the combine as a receiver. Rashad Bateman, same thing the year before that. OBJ, who doesn't have the speed necessarily now, but uh, you can also mix in Mark Andrews on, on that as a tight end lining up on the, on the offensive line, which is another extremely underrated part of this football team is Baltimore's offensive line, the way that they can pull guys. The center, Tyler Linderbaum, is playing out of his freaking mind, yes. being able to, to help run the ball. Um, the, his ability to get downfield is Jason Kelsey-like, uh, I think, as a, as a smaller guy um, that, that plays center. I, I think Lamar has a good day on the ground. I think the two running backs have a good day on the ground, Gus Edwards and the and the guy they they found last week, uh, the, the rookie Mitchell. Um and I think they're able to work in enough short passing game to make this thing interesting enough to move the ball into the red zone where the, the Baltimore Ravens are really good at efficiency. 
and that is going to be the difference in the game is like uh, they move the ball enough to get a touchdown to Mark Andrews uh, or, or, or something, uh, whoever pick pick your receiver on the offense. I'm going to pick Mark Andrews because he's probably the biggest target in the red zone uh, where they move the ball enough to get Mark Andrews a touchdown in the red zone. That's the difference in the game. They win by a touchdown, maybe a field goal, Justin Tucker mix in and uh, stupidly, I'm going to take the the six and a half points for the Ravens uh, in an AFC North divisional. <laughs> it could, I mean, it could work out for team. it. I yeah. mean, look again, the last time they played the Browns won or the Ravens won 28 to three. So you never know. Uh, all right, let's go to the four o'clock, the late window. Let's start off here with uh, Falcons Cardinals at four Oh five. The uh, Falcons are two point favorites here with Taylor Heineke coming off the last minute loss. Um, this line seems way too low to me, and I'm going to lock this in immediately. I'm taking Falcons minus two, second lock of the week. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm taking it as a lock, too. That's my second lock. The Falcons on the road. This Cardinals team is not very good. They get Kyler Murray back right right before Call of Duty comes out, like you called out last weekend there, Vito. Um, I don't think he's going to make, even if he does play, is going to make much of a difference in the game. This team is bad on both sides of the ball. Um, if they do get James Conner back, great. Guess what? You're going up against a, a Falcons defensive line who's only like in the top 10 of of defensive uh, rushing statistics and EPA. So I'm going to take the Falcons as well, coming off a bounce back game after a game they should have won. Uh, give me the Falcons. Uh, yeah, give me the Falcons uh, to, to cover in the desert. Man. Man, oh man, oh man. Vito, so do you have a lock yet? You don't have a lock yet, do you? Yeah, I do. I oh, have you the do? Bucks. Oh, you have the Bucks. That's the right. Bucks. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we all so, we all only had one lock in the in the early window. <laughs> or before. Yep. So here's the problem. You guys know when you stay up late, like if you ever have like a super late night out or you're up with the boys playing Xbox till like four in the morning, um, whatever you're up to, I then the next day you can recover and you're fine. You can do whatever you need to do. But the following day, you know that like the next, next day when it all hits, and yeah. you're like, God damn, I need to sleep. I need to go home, nap, all that. That's what's going to happen because it comes out to like last night. As you're listening to this on Friday, it came out Thursday at midnight, which you know Kyler's going to wait up to get the new Call of Duty like a lot of us gamers do. You play for a couple hours and ends up being four in the morning, whatever, no problem. We'll wake up, go to work Friday, all good. You're amped up. Then you go home Friday and you play all night, all night again. And then Saturday, you got to go do walkthroughs. That's all fine. But that following day, you are going to be dead. And yeah. that's when Kyler needs to play football. I'm going to go ahead, take the Falcons, and I'm going to lock it in as well. Podlock. This is a podlock. On the AFC South. Podlock. <laughs> Yeah, I just the, the biggest thing for me is just like there's no way that Kyler Murray comes in cold without like all all Call of Duty jokes aside. There's no way he comes in cold after without having not played no training camp, barely practicing. He didn't get activated until last week. So he's had a week of practice playing in this he's, game. He's got uh, Hollywood Brown and McBride and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's just, he's so there's, there's the weapons. there are bad. The offensive lines, bad. The Falcons have been, I think they're a top 10 pass defense team in the NFL. Still. I, I have a hard time thinking that Kyler Murray is going to come in there and just like fully trust that knee, fully trust everything, go out there and rip it. I just, I don't, I don't see that happening. So 
Yeah, no, I'm 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 taking the Falcons there. I, I love the Falcons minus two. Podlock. That's a <laughs> God. A second back to back podlocks on hey, NFC South. All we team. want is an opportunity. That's all we I want. I just want to be fifty percent. Yeah, that's all that that's matters. Right. That's right. All right. Yeah. I mean, hey, we're we're coming into it. Everyone's in on the Falcons. Uh all right. Up next, another four oh five start, Eastern time. Lions at Chargers. The Chargers coming off a big Monday night win. We didn't really talk about it much. Uh, the Chargers looked like shit in that game uh, outside of a fumble return for a touchdown and a punt return for a touchdown. The Chargers were really, really bad offensively. Detroit is a three-point favorite here, and I'm just going to lock in my third one here. I'm taking the Lions minus three. The Lions coming off the bye, Dan Campbell. The way that they ended that stretch before their bye week, there's no way that Dan Campbell was happy about that. There's no way that they felt like, hey, we are ready to make a run towards the Super Bowl. That's where this team is looking. They're setting their expectations high. They're looking towards glory at the top of their list right now. That is objectively, like, their mindset and what's great about that is the old expression right like if you shoot for for the moon at least you know if you miss you'll end up around the stars or whatever that's kind of how i view this detroit team even though it makes no sense in terms of like how space works yeah it's like it doesn't it's so annoying right like do you know how much further it is to a star it's so much further so much further makes but the sentiment of it which is that you shoot for one thing and if you're not up there but you you put the work and even if you don't get it you're still at a higher level than where you were before i think that's kind of the mindset of where this lions team is which is that they they in their minds they are like hey we're a super bowl caliber team I don't think they are. I think they're they're a class below that. I think they're they're close to it. I think they're building towards that, but I think they're just a touch below that that mark right now. But even still, if you don't make it to the Super Bowl, you can still be a really really fucking good football team. The Chargers, the score from last week, I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of people taking the Chargers as home dogs in this week. The people of Detroit don't get an opportunity to go out to Los Angeles all that much. Uh, I think Lions fans are going to show out. It's going to be yet another away it's cold up there. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be another away game for the chargers while playing at home. Uh, I think the Lions are just a significantly better football team, particularly, and this is where they have their advantage is on the line of scrimmage. Uh, you get a fully healthy Amon Ra. He was banged up before the bye. He's now full go, fully healthy. Same thing in the backfield. Jameer Gibbs finally had his breakthrough day. You're going to get David Montgomery back in this game. The offensive line's fully healthy. The defensive line's fully healthy. Uh, I think there's some serious problems with the Chargers, and their 4-4 four and four record is very deceiving. A three-point underdog for the Chargers. This game, if I were to set the line of this game, I'd have it at 4.5 or 5.5. Um, so to me, I'm getting, hey, keep going. <laughs> I'm getting at least a point and a half of extra points from where I would set this line. I love the lions. It's my third lock of the week. Lock it in. Detroit comes back off the bye, fully healthy and has a monster day against this Chargers secondary, which has been very, very bad. Ben Johnson's going to have some fun stuff stockpiled there. Uh, I love the lions here and they're going to improve to seven and two. Yeah. The first week in the last four that the Chargers have not been in prime time. If you can believe that. Um, look, I, I'm with you, man. I, I just think this Lions team, not only coming off a bye, but like the Chargers on offense, like it's been weird. So all of a sudden they they have Keenan Allen going really hot in the in the beginning of the year. Let's let's not throw him the ball as much. Um let's let's get other uh receivers involved, including Gerald Everett, the tight end. Um, let's get Austin Eckler heated up out of the backfield after he was out for two games. Oh, by the way, he drops like four balls last week in the Monday night game. So uh, 
this offense is is good. It's putting up points, but like when you look at the the data, like it's in, it's in trouble a little bit. And the defense hasn't been doing them any favors all year long. Um, which, as we said when we previewed this this uh, this team, what almost uh, what twelve weeks ago now when we did the previews for all these guys, that that was the Achilles heel. And they've looked better on the defensive line. Uh, they've looked better in the uh, in the run game in particular, but not like not like to the status that we should have them at with the amount of talent on that defensive side of the ball. Secondaries look bad for uh, for a number of weeks, and and I'm with you, man. I think the Lions are are ready to go. Jared Goff had two really bad games before heading into the bye. I think he's going to tee off this game with a healthy Amon Ross St. Brown. A healthy receiving core, two really healthy running backs who have uh, one coming back from injury, one hitting their stride as a rookie. I think you see some interesting things from Jameer Gibbs that we haven't seen so far this year out of the backfield. Now that David Montgomery is back healthy running the ball, uh, this team could could mess with the with the best. Uh, and to give the Lions only three points coming out of a bye on the road, I love home dogs. But the Chargers ain't it right now. I'm going with the Lions, too. I got Lions as a lock. Fuck it. This team, listen, I don't even know what is going on with the Chargers. Everyone thought, like I thought, I was coming to this game, looked at the matchup, and was like, man, Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack, they're back, man. That defensive at line, right? They were rushing the shit. They were doing such a great job last week. And then you remembered, oh, it was the Jets. And the week before that, it was the Bears, huh? And then you're like, you know what? They've done pretty good against some okay offenses in Dallas and some others and kept them decently low. Like Chargers defense isn't terrible, but everyone forgets this Lions offense is no joke. And I really, really do love the weapons that they have. Their defense is awesome. I think they'll wear enough on the Chargers offense, and that's going to be the, the difference maker. The offense just isn't isn't really clicking the way I thought it would or the way it was even earlier in the season for the Chargers. I, I don't know. Like it's still – you know, it's been it's been nice the last couple of weeks. Like they've scored points on some good defenses for sure, and it's been impressive. Uh, but what I guess I'm shocked about is like the involvement of the players and what's going on. But listen, they, you know, again they lost to the the Cowboys and they played a really good defense. The Chiefs' defense is great. They lost, so that's all in the last month. Uh, I just I think at the end of the day, I'm going to just take those lines and that they're more complete around the whole all three phases of the ball than than the Chargers are. Yeah, no, I think we're all in agreement there. I think we're all on the same side. Uh, the Lions are just the better football team. And I felt really, really good against the, with the Chargers going up against the Jets, and that worked out for me. And I feel like the Chargers are a good like barometer, right? Like we are kind of like, oh, how do you feel about the Chargers against this team versus how do you feel them? Like If they're playing a good team, you love to bet against the Chargers. If they're playing a bad team, then you love to bet on the Chargers. And they're kind of like – that exact like Mendoza line going straight up where you're like, they are that middle of the ground team right now where it's like, if you like them against bad teams and that means the team that they're playing is probably bad. If you don't like them in a week, that means that you probably, the team that they're playing is probably pretty good. Uh, all right. We got four games left. This next one, I think the biggest spread we've had so far this season, giants at Cowboys, Dallas is a 17 point favorite against the Tommy DeVito led Paisan. New York Giants. Paisan. 
Gabagool. Bobby Boopy. It's okay when I say it. Hey, I'm I'm Italian. I got Italian in my blood. All right. You know, Italian. Um Vito's face when I did that. <laughs> I'm a, my brother-in-law Luigi would just Luigi. right now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Luigi's... that you have I forgot you have a brother-in-law from Italy named Luigi. Yeah. <laughs> that poor dude, anytime he comes to dude. America, Americans are just like, oh yeah, dude, like like fucking Mario. Dude, he's like, dude, what part, are you talking no, about? No, no, no. The best part, I swear to God, I was talking to him, my sister on Sunday. He's in the background. It was on Monday night, and like someone scored, and he goes, oh, "Let's go!" And I was like, "No fucking way!" I was like, "Let's go!" The video. Uh, I am a Luigi. Video yeah, it was so great. And uh, he was like, should, "What?" We need to <laughs> we need to pull money so that they can buy a mansion, so we can say it's Luigi's mansion, and then and then and then everything will be set, and maybe That's buy him a good a, idea. Maybe buy him a go kart. That's green. Yes. 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 Okay, we're all on the same page. Luigi, you're getting a mansion and a go kart coming your way. But they have the, the stipulations are that the mansion has to be haunted, and yeah, the the go kart has to be green and have a little L with the the hat and circle on the outside, and then you'll then you'll be good. Um, anywho, <laughs> Giants Cowboys, uh, seventeen point spread here. I just this number's so high. It's so high. It's this insane. Is col- this is a college spread. Like I I want so badly to pick the giants like i every ounce of me is like take the giants take the giants take the giants but that is so stupid because it's tommy devito he on the season he still has negative passing yards they did sign matt barkley penn state matt that's true well what is that that says more about nine overtimes (laughs) that says more about penn state than it does the new york giants um no offense boys uh but they did they did sign Matt Barkley, who played under Brian Dable in Buffalo when he was the backup to Josh Allen. Um, I have a hunch we're going to see Matt Barkley in this game. And if Matt Barkley plays in this game, I don't... If Matt Barkley was starting this game, there's no way in hell I would take the 17 points. There's just no way. You'd have to give the backup quarterback bump. But it is Tommy DeVito. And the line is absurd. And the Cowboys are probably going to fuck this up. So Giants, do me a favor. Grow a set of balls and show up for this game, please. And make Dak Prescott look really stupid. And cover the spread. But that's not going to happen. So I'm going to take the Cowboys minus 17. Even though I fucking hate it because that's an obnoxious spread. I'm taking the Cowboys. Damn. Yeah. How can you take Tommy DeVito? Hey, whoa, how, hey, how can, whoa, hey, can, whoa, it's not hey, he's whoa. Hey, 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 oh, whoa, whoa. Look, I, I'm not taking him. I'm taking Say Dexter hi to your mother for me. I'm taking Dexter Lawrence. That's who I'm taking. Like, I, you know what I mean? I am taking players that have hey, nothing mom? to do with DeVito. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm, t- it's crazy how bad this is. Are you taking the points? Looks. I'm taking, taking the, points. the points. Yeah, you have to take the points. It's if it was 16 and a half, I would take Dallas. It's I just the points. It's, it's a divisional game, man. The points it's are laughing at game. me right now. The points are laughing at me like a like a bad cartoon video game with the bad guy who just like laughs at you from like the 1980s, where if you fuck up, they're like, <laughs> like that's what the <laughs> points are doing to me in my face right now. And I I don't still taking the cowboys. I don't think it matters who's a quarterback for the Giants this weekend. They can't do much on offense. 
Their defensive line is the best thing about this team. They're the second worst passing offense or uh, uh, defending the pass in the entire league. They are. It's bad. CD Lamb bad. is going to feast before Thanksgiving. And that was the Zeke thing, though, not CD. It doesn't matter. Same That's team. True. Doesn't matter. Is uh, there a chance Brian Dayball gets fired? No. No, you can't fire a dude after coach of the year. And then making the stupid decision to sign Daniel Jones to a I'm, massive I'm contract. Sorry. And then that, you absolutely ACL can. Torn. You yeah, absolutely yeah. can. Matt Nagy this won. Bad? Matt Nagy won Coach of the Year and got fired. Le- like I think with it was he didn't get fired the next year, but it was, it was like the year two after. or three years later. Yeah, yeah, but but still, like you definitely can. If you ask Chicago, would you have rather fired Matt Nagy the year after he won Coach of the Year or not? You might. I mean this this Giants team is just sad. It's just it's sad. It's pathetic. There's How did they make the there's, playoffs last year. My God, because. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm speechless at it still. I don't know. I picked them to be the Vikings. (laughs) I picked the Giants to have a better record than the Cowboys going into this season. And now they're playing, and the Cowboys are 17 point favorites in a professional football game in the NFL. It's crazy. Are you taking the points or are you taking the the Cowboys? Taking the Cowboys 41 to 12. Gonna be so bad. I, you know what? I, I want to be wrong. Giants, show me you have a set of balls. I need. We need to get my boy Dennis for the first Eagles uh, and Giants game. I think we're gonna do a podcast with my boy Dennis Vinci, who's one of my one of my best producer friends, who's a diehard New York sports fan and Notre Dame fan. And uh, my man's been going through it. God bless him. His podcast is phenomenal. Uh, he does a great job. But he and I, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to have some words. Um, mainly just because I don't know what you do from here. I don't know what you do from here. It's it's a sad time to be a Giants fan. All right, uh, Commanders Seahawks last of the four o'clock games. This is going to be a really interesting game, actually. Seahawks minus six and a half, coming off of that shellacking by the Baltimore Ravens. The Commanders coming off of a win over the Patriots. Six and a half seems like a lot of points there, Vito. I have a feeling we might see Scotty's third lock pop up in this game. Uh, but I will say right now. I really like the commanders plus six and a half. I really do. I don't want to, I don't want to like it, but I do like it. I like it a lot. And really? I'm, I'm leaning towards the commanders. I still think the Seahawks are a good football team. Yeah. The question Listen. is when you get embarrassed the way that they got embarrassed last week, it says a lot about the resolve of your team of how you respond to that. So if they respond like hardcore, it's like, beat the shit out of the commanders, then I'm all the way back in on the Seahawks. But six and a half is a lot of points for a team that just lost by 35. It always, there's always a bounce back. I I like Seattle here. I just think that they're going to come out, prove that they're, they are a playoff team. Um, The commanders are not like they, these are the games that matter at the end of the year when there's a two game separation between who's in and who's not. It's games like this. They're both good teams. I think Washington is like, I really do like, I I like a lot of actually what Washington's done, even on defense. Like, listen, you can say what you want, but Kendall Fuller's played great this year. Um, I think at least like he's been top rated corner, top 10 for a while. Um, St. Judas, he's been great. Like they've had a good secondary. 
but this Seattle team is going to try and punch them in the mouth. And without Chase Young and some of the other guys, they just got rid of like, it's just different, man. And you can have the emotional high, but it's different on that side. I, I like Seattle to be a more consistent team. I like Pete Carroll as a head coach to, to your point, good NFL coaches don't lose multiple times in a row. I think Pete Carroll's one of those guys. I think we'll get his guys to bounce back taking Seattle. Yeah. Look, if this were a game against uh, a, a Vikings team or, or the Bucks or somebody like somebody who's um, really in contention to like try to win their division, or even if this were a road game for Seattle, I, I would be on the fence of like, <laughs> yeah, uh, hammer the team that's playing them. But this is a home game. And like going back, going back home after the, the, two games that they've had on the road in the AFC North. Um, it, it, it's going to be a reprieve for them. I think a little get right game, a little home cooking six and a half is a lot, but like, like you said, Vito, I think up front the, the Seattle Seahawks are going to be able to dominate the line of scrimmage probably on both sides of the ball uh, and let the running game work the way that, that the running game should, uh, in Seattle and, and has been in Seattle. So uh, as much as I hate them and as much as I think they're really not that great of a football team, uh, I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover the six and a half just because of like, you don't have to be a hero. Uh, Tyler Lockett's going to get his DK Metcalf's going to get his uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's who been a, a more of a weapon in the passing game. But I think this commander's team is, is keen to, uh, with whatever they have left on that defensive line is keen to blitz Gino and he's better when that happens. Uh, so I'm going to take the Seahawks to score uh, better than a touchdown. I think it's a, a rushing touchdown that, that makes the difference in this game. Yeah. Remember when like, maybe this is more specific to me because I live in the area and I just hear a lot of commanders fans all the time, but <clears throat> I was under the impression that Emmanuel Forbes is going to be the next Darrell Rivas. That he was going to lock everybody down for for Washington. He was going to be incredible. Yeah, somebody picked him as the uh, the defensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I don't know who the, who that was. It wasn't me. That was crazy. Who was that actually? Was that you, Scott? I don't remember. No, no, I think it was Vic. Oh, Vito. Hmm. Yeah. No, Vic. That's... I think it was Vic. Uh, she told me to to. Oh uh, my my mom. That. You think my yeah. mother was the one? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it was Scotty. Okay. Yeah. No, it was Scotty. Yeah. Because my mom knows who Emmanuel Forbes is totally. Um, she does she's a smart lady? Yeah, no, I remember. I remember everyone telling me and sending me the amount of Commanders fans that sent me the quote that was like he, you know, Emmanuel Forbes couldn't wait to go up against AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, particularly Devontae Smith, because you know he wanted revenge after their their college days when Devontae went for like 250 yards against him when he was at Mississippi State. Um, Emmanuel <laughs> Forbes has been getting cooked like absolutely lit up by every top tier NFL receiver. And last time I checked, Seattle has DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, a rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is, I mean, at this point stud and uh, Jake Bobo, who's also been fucking awesome. Who's another rookie. So there's four really, really good wide receivers. And um, there's not a really good depth of uh, defensive back, not to mention Jack Del Rio defense. Good at drawing up blitzes, has not been good at implementing them this year, and the timing of a lot of his decisions on the blitzes has not been great. Uh, I'm taking Seattle. I'm taking Seattle, and I think they take a page out of the Detroit Lions book, which after the Lions got blown out 38-6 to 6 
in that game against the Ravens. They went on to beat the Raiders 26-14 to in a 12-point win. And I think we see Seattle win a big game here. Uh, all right, we got two more games left. Sunday night football, Jets, Raiders, and then Monday night Broncos, Bills. Gross and slightly less gross. Uh, Jets, Raiders. By the way, for all for all the fellas listening here, if you're listening to this and you're uh, a lady, God bless you. Um, but for all the fellas out here who have, have a partner, someone that you love, right, who on Sunday nights you're like, Hey, you know, I got to watch Sunday night football. Like, I love you. You know, I know I've been watching football day, but like, I got to do this. You know, this is what we call the brownie points weekend. Where you have Sunday night football and Monday night football, where there's nothing exciting going on. You're not missing anything. It's okay. What you can do is you say, sweetie, I would love to watch Sunday night football, but you know what? You've been such a trooper. You've been such a saint. You've supported me as I've watched all this football. Tonight is the night for us. Tonight's the night that we pull up that show on Netflix. We pull up that show on Hulu. We pull up that show on eight, Apple TV. And we sit you take down, her out to a nice dinner. Yeah. And we we have a date. Bottle night. of wine. Yeah. Right. That shit you, is for Tuesdays and on, boys. No way. We are no. No. See, okay. We, uh, we haven't this gone is the single guy. <laughs> we haven't we haven't gone extensively through Vito's dating history, but I'll I'll at least let you guys know. And the spark notes, that's probably not the advice you want. <laughs> probably you not. Have, probably not. If you have like a long-term committed partner. Uh, yeah. If it's a new what girlfriend, I'm... if it's a new exactly. girlfriend, like you just started having a couple dates and she wants to hang out Sunday. Who plans a date on a Sunday? Say you're getting ready you, for work. You let so her, you yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. let her know I got football. Yeah. All right. I can't do it. Okay. But if you have a long-term committed girlfriend or, or wife. This oh yeah, that's not, not my. That's not. Yeah, my no, that's not your. Out. No, exactly. That's why we. No shame. We're not yeah. shaming Vito. We love yeah, Vito. No, Vito, it's not, Vito yeah. Vito's it's our two wild different places. He's our wild card for a reason. Okay, <laughs> all right. But this is for the fellas who who are in those long term relationships. This is the Sunday that you say, "Hey, hey, sweetie, I love you. This night's for you." Okay, what do you want to watch? What do you want to eat for dinner? Why don't we order in? Why don't we get some DoorDash? Well, back rub. Uh, you, yeah. You want a little pad tie off of DoorDash? Hey, we'll order what you want. All right. Well, you pick out a movie. We'll watch it. We'll have it together time. Okay. I don't know why I turned into like the Sopranos there at the end, but uh, this into, is <laughs> turned into Tommy DeVito. What are, yeah, what yeah are you turning into Tommy DeVito. <laughs> cousin Lou enters the chat. Um, <laughs> cousin Lou. Hey, 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 hey. You know my cousin Lou. He lives down in the Bronx. Um. So I, I will say my one of my best friends from college came to visit me last weekend who's from Long Island, and he and I have this bit where it's like we'll start talking, and then out of nowhere, we just start doing that voice. So I'm still, <laughs> I'm you know, it's, it's soon enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so Sunday night, Monday night, these are the days. Get your brownie points in. This is a brownie points weekend. Okay. So capitalize here. But we still have a football game. Jets, one-point favorites on the road in Las Vegas. Zach Wilson looked so bad on Monday Night Football. My God. Every time it's like, hey, we're, we're trying to build this kid up. He's finally turned the page of not being a total dislikable douchebag. So we're like, let's root for this kid a little bit. Uh, and he just absolute shits the bed. He was terrible in that game against the Chargers. I love the Raiders. I flirted with this as another like degenerate pick like I did with the Colts last week. Uh, the only thing that stopped me is did the interim head coach stink and an aura kind of fall off of Antonio Pierce? I still really like the Raiders in this game. 
They're one point underdog at home. Uh, I'm just, I'm not betting. I, I think I have to make a firm rule that I will not bet Zach Wilson as a favorite in a game ever. I love their defense so much. Aiden O'Connell balled out. And I know it was against a bad team, but Aiden O'Connell kind of balled out. So I'm taking the Raiders. And shout out to Jimmy G, by the way, because a lot of Raiders fans were giving Jimmy G a lot of hate and kind of lumped him hey. in with the Josh McDaniel yeah. stuff. No, no, the no, way no. You don't give Jimmy G hate. Oh, I'm sorry. The number one Jimmy G hater of yeah, all right. time. Scott I'm allowed. Miller. I'm no, allowed. You're not. No, you're no. not. <laughs> no, you're allowed to be a hater. You're not allowed to turn around and then say, hey, hey look out for my guy, Jimmy G here. No, you hated hey. on him more than but, anyone I knew during that stretch when he was a, a Niners quarterback. I know you were a I fan. Hate, but I hate on. on Oakland, but if you try to take their baseball team away, I'm going to be like, hey, big brother mode. Guess no what? Shot. You can't take anything away. No from shot. No shot. I'm not giving you that, Scotty. I'm sorry. I'm not. Uh, but shout out to Jimmy G because he was literally every single play in Aiden O'Connell's ear with him on the sideline, helping him out in, in between snaps when, when the Raiders were on defense. Uh, Jimmy G is a fucking stud. I know the, the on-field play. I mean, he's had a great career. So, like, especially for a dude coming out of FCS school, like, shout out to Jimmy money G. Too. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, done, he's done awesome. Um, he but could he's, be a coach. To your point, he looks he'd like be he, an awesome coach. Yeah, I'd be. He here looks for that. Like, would he yeah. be the sexiest yeah, exactly. coach of all time? He might be. Oh yeah. He's top oh five, yeah. Top five. Oh, sure. dude, I mean, like, he, he he not even close. Like like you throw who were the top five now? Like McVeigh? Like no, Matt Lafleur. He's not even, Matt Lafleur is a Lafleur. Yeah. Okay, man, that's a good okay? one. Yeah. Matt, Matt Lafleur. I didn't is think like, this. Is I think he's. I think he's way above that. I mean, I and think if you're, Garoppolo if you're, would become the easy number one, you know, but not to yuck other people's yums. But like if we're talking about football coach and the vibes like Andy Reid has some zaddy in him. That's all I'm saying. All right. And Andy Reid. Pete Carroll has energy for a 65 year old, whatever okay. it is. 75. If, if my, if my mom, you? if my mom's <laughs> listening to this part of the podcast, pause, fast forward 15 seconds. Mom, listen, get fast forward. Pete Carroll fucks hard. Yeah. yeah. Pete Carroll at 70 yeah. years old fucks hard. 100%. It's all the drugs One, he's taking. 100%. Out. Pete Carroll fucks hard. Okay. Mom, welcome back to the podcast. I think that was about 15 seconds. Um, <laughs> I, re- I really hope. That- <laughs> I really hope she skipped ahead. Anywho. Um, Jets Raiders. Raiders plus one. Okay, this is tough. <laughs> I don't know to follow that up, but I'm just going to get into the game because the, the craziest thing about this is both these defenses. First of all, this is under all day. Under all day. And Crosby's going to wreck Zach Wilson. If you have any yeah. pass rush, you saw it last that week. offensive like, line. Gets, I told yeah, you guys the offensive line no for one the Jets was, I mean, depleted. Yep. And that defense is, is listen, I know it's the Raiders, but they can get some pressure. On the other side, the Jets' defense is incredible. I really think this is extremely, extremely low scoring. I I think the Jets have, on paper, the better defense. I just – the eye test is just different. I'm taking the Raiders because it's I just can't believe in that guy against a, someone who can pressure him this well in Max Crosby. Max Crosby, Agreed. right now, I believe, is the third-rated edge rusher, yeah, and in, in, according to PFF. It's incredible. His pass rush grade, his run defense grade, they're both top five. It's incredible to see what he's doing on the field. 
Max Crosby. I'm taking Max Crosby and then his team is what I'm doing. I like it. Dude's got a motor. And that's why he's going to end up with like six sacks tonight or on <laughs> Sunday night in Vegas. I mean, Jesus Christ. Even Tariko and, and Chris Collinsworth are going to be like, well, at least we're in Vegas, I guess, for the weekend. Uh, but like, I'm with you, man. I, I think the Raiders win this game. Um, you know, you talk about Early, we talked earlier about the uh, the emotional win and the letdown after uh, when we talked about the Vikings, but I, I don't think that's the case here uh, with Antonio Pierce and the, and, and the Raiders. I think they were what I consider probably a mid-tier to legitimate fringe playoff-ish team with talent-wise that now has the right person at the helm that is doing things the right way, that now gets Josh Jacobs involved in the running game. Now Devontae Adams is involved in the passing game. Aiden O'Connell's going out there and learning things on the fly, uh, learning on the sideline from Jimmy G. All of that matters. And yeah, the Jets are a really good defense. They proved that all year long, but I feel like they're just going to come out in this game and go, oh, we're going to try to stop the run. And it's going to be like, great. Um, Michael Mayer is going to have 80 yards and a touchdown, and Devontae Adams is going to have 12 catches for, for 75 yards and a touchdown. One of those type of games, you know, and I, I think the Raiders think, end up on the on the other side of that with the win. I also think the Raiders will be able to move the ball on the ground a little bit here. Um, we saw the commitment to the run with Josh Jacobs in the first game with Antonio Pierce. I think that's going to continue. Um, yeah, I mean, this is gross. I, if you're going to bet this game, bet the under. It's 36 and a half. I think it's the lowest over under total we've had on the season. Uh, bet the under even with that. So, all right. Uh, Monday Night Football, Broncos at Bills. Vito? I got I got nothing for you, bro. I honestly wish I did. <laughs> like, this is so difficult to keep. Like, I am on the emotional roller coaster. This is why it's so fun to be a goddamn fan, okay? Because, yeah, it's awesome right when now. your team is winning. When your team is winning, it's great. But you know what else is wild? When you don't know when you want to win or when you want to lose, and obviously by the time you get to Sunday, like we always talk about, you want to win. I have no idea what's going on with this team. I think we could be great. I think the Bills have obviously been letdowns in consistent games. I think seven's a lot of points with the way Russell can get some garbage time points. I think the Broncos are going to cover. I think we're going to cover, and I actually, you know, obviously think that by the time Monday comes around – I think we're going to win. I mean, yeah, it's a way. And yeah, it's hard to play in Buffalo. But, you know, um, I have zero other reasons. I don't actually have like points to make. I, it's hard to be. You're rooting as a fan. Lie. Yeah. I'm rooting, rooting as, a fan, as a fan. And Which something magical I, could happen. I respect. I respect. Yeah. Usually, last win, you guys beat the Chiefs. Last time we saw the right? Broncos play, they beat the Chiefs. You've had two weeks of being able to say that you beat the Chiefs. The hey, last, last game, we beat the Chiefs. Last game. Yeah, you're only going to have a few more days of saying that. Um, I'm just going to say the obvious here. Scotty, you do not have your third lock of the week, so I have a feeling we know where you're going with this one, uh, unless you're going to abstain, which I, I, if you abstain from a third lock, I think that's an automatic 10, yeah. uh, 10, 10 loss penalty that gets that's put on you. So 10 seems harsh, but yeah, I, I would agree. Well, that's how serious we take this here what, on the Redox podcast. What is our current lock records that's a great question Vito. let not me great this, bob let me pull this out i had uh, my first winning week in like 12 last week. we were all <laughs> over 500 overall last week uh mm-hmm. scotty went nine and five Vito, you and i went eight and six in the nfl 
Um, and then overall on the locks, Vito's in first place with a, at 11 mm. and 7. Again, I've picked every game. Vito is not, just so everyone knows. Um, uh, I'm in second place, 12, 11, and 1. And Scotty is at 9, 11, and 1. 9, 11, never mm. forget. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I, Scotty, where, where are you going? You need, you need to pull a good lock out of here. Are you, are you going against my boys? This is a, I have to, this is a tough stretch for, for the bills, right? They got the Broncos here, jets the week after, then they go Eagles, chiefs, Cowboys, um, and then chargers and the dolphins to, to end the year. Um, so five out of their last what seven games are are going to be really tough. They are and the hardest Buffalo yeah, schedule. Remaining Buffalo's in a must, but uh, the Buffalo's in a must win situation. I think that week eighteen game against the Dolphins is going to uh, decide the entire division and flip the AFC on its head uh, potentially in uh, in week eighteen. This though this week is a must win game for them. Not only for the fact that they might like the, how how well this will go in determining where they end up, uh, at, at, when we get to week eighteen, but like they they need a win, like a a positive win for themselves, right? Yeah. Stefan Diggs has been doing, you know, the Lord's work, like cutting it up with with hundred and eighty something yard days for the last like six weeks and and they've gotten what three wins out of that. Um, they have no ground game to speak of. That was one of the positives we saw in the beginning of the year was that they, we were like, Oh, well, Buffalo's finally moving the ball on the ground. And like, then they have Josh Allen and they have Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis who are doing really well. That has suddenly disappeared. The defense has, we know uh, well-documented been marred by injuries. So uh, they have to put this together to win this game. And I think they have to do it in a way that like Josh Allen or Stefan Diggs or both uh, ends up making the big play at home in front of the home crowd in prime time on Monday night to get everyone excited about this brand of football again, to get everyone on board again in Buffalo and to gear up for this stretch run that they have, uh, which is just brutal at this point. Um, to give everyone hope. So I think a touchdown, I would say a touchdown and and, and a field goal even uh, against what has no offense, Vito looked like apart from the, from the chiefs game, the worst defense and one of the worst yeah. defenses in the NFL. So uh, I'm going to take the Bills. Not the last time you played. Yeah. They were also playing an offense. That's not very good in the Kansas city chiefs. And that's why I'm right. 100% in lockstep with, with Scotty here. This is, this is the classic bills get right game. All right, this is where the Bills, they snap back into form, right? Like, they they do this against bad teams. They put bad teams away. No offense, Vito, but they do. Like, this is what they do. It's not a good they, defense. They, they, they Ultimately, the Bills find ways to win these games. And it's like what they did against uh, Tampa Bay, right? Like, ultimately, Tampa Bay scored the last second touchdown that covered the spread for us in the back door. But – the Bills are, are the Buccaneers rather are a much better defense than what we're seeing with the Broncos here. Right. So I think this is bills all the way. They just lost a primetime game last week against Cincinnati. They're going to have a big time primetime game bounce back here against 
the the Broncos, and it's and it's ultimately it's like when they play bad teams, they put away bad teams. When they play good teams, you're either going to see the best version of Josh Allen or the worst. Josh Allen's still the highest ranked quarterback in EPA per play. The offense is still number one in the NFL in EPA per play, uh, and yet they're five and four. Right? This is when they. This is what they do when they do. They put away bad teams. It's going to be one of those 27 to 10, 24 to 10. It's going to be a two touchdown game. Russell Wilson's going to look like shit. Russell Wilson in prime time over the last few years has not been a good bet. If you're talking about the Denver Broncos and, and Russell Wilson, at least that era of his career. So yeah, I'm all in on the bills. I flirted with this being a lock decided against it, but the bills minus seven love this game. Uh, I'm sorry, Vito. And Hey, Look, last time we all, me and Scotty took the Chiefs. What happened last time that they played, Vito? Hey, we beat the Chiefs. So you beat the impressive. Chiefs. You beat pretty the impressive. Chiefs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did they win the Super Bowl last year? They sure they, did. They sure they did. did. Okay, so they sure did. We beat the defending Super Bowl champions. You sure did. You beat the defending Chiefs. Super Bowl champions for the first in your division. Good about that. For the first time, good about getting that in. Paxton Lynch was a rookie, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but hey, 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 but but Vito. You beat the Chiefs. That's all that matters. All right. That's all we got in the pod. Locks are in. Everyone's cemented. Have a wonderful week. I promise this pod will come up without a hitch. If it does go out without a hitch, I'm going to edit this out in the second time around so you don't hear that. Enjoy Love. college football this weekend too, man. Great There's slate. Three really good games this week. Ole Miss, Georgia, Michigan, Penn State, Utah, Washington. Utah, Washington is going to be a banger of a game. Uh, Our whole and- season is on the line. Washington needs this game. Um, I'll tell you right now, sneaky, sneaky college football pick. I love, love Utah in this game. Ooh. Love, love them. Love them. Kyle State. Whittingham. Kyle, when you least expect it, Kyle Whittingham bats you over the head with it because that's what they do in uh, Salt Lake City. So for the boys, I'm Jeff. Thank you all so much for listening. And again, apologies for the issues early in the week. We will be back on Monday to break down all of the action from week 10 in the NFL. I'm going to enjoy a a well-deserved bye week. My birds are off. No Chiefs, no birds, no Dolphins. Still plenty of good football to watch. So for the boys, I'm Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will talk to you guys on the other side. Until then, take it easy, everybody.